You just heard Vio Lens from the Eternal Nightmare album from 1988. This is, what is this? This is the Requiem Metal Podcast. Metal Podcast Patreon, Patron yeah. Edition, Patreon Edition. This uh, will be our January Patron show. Yeah. yeah, this one probably won't be as a three-hour epic no, like no, uh, the last, last but... But we owed you because we were kind of uh, we kind of got a little crazy in the fall, um, and we weren't yes. able to record as much uh, Patreon shows as we really should have. So we gave you kind of a double sized shot. But uh, yeah, it was a Eternal Nightmare from Violence. Eternal Nightmare. Yeah. Um, odd band. Um, a lot of people know them because you know Phil Demmel and Rob Flynn went on to form Machine Head. Uh, we talked is about Flynn on that record though. Yeah, he's the he other is? guitar player. Okay. So yeah, they're the two. They're the two guitar players. I like Demo does all the lead stuff, so he's kind of like the main okay. kind of dude um, for writing music and stuff like that. But um, they're they're such an odd act. Uh, I actually just posted something um, for the history heavy metal countdown, which most of you who are patron fans uh, or patrons kind of know about that. I'll read you what I wrote, and then we can kind of discuss. It says. Uh, Barrier thrash metal champions Violence may have been latecomers to the scene, but they quickly made up for lost time with their scathing debut, Eternal Nightmare. Guitarist duo Phil Demmel and Rob Flynn unleash a cavalcade of aggressive riffs throughout, but the title track is extra special. After a great intro, the nasty speed kicks in at the 42nd mark with no frills before the controversial Sean Killian's vocals rip in. He can't sing, but it does, but he does it fast and with a hardcore-esque panache, so it works for the approach and grows on you. Shout out to Dean Dell's Killer Bass, which rivals Dee Dee Verney here. And of course, Dee Dee Verney from Overkill. Uh, Probably is, the best part of Overkill in my yeah, opinion. Yeah, one of the well, major songwriters. Well. Yeah, just kind of really yeah. adds a kind of a bounce and, and stuff. But yeah, Sean Killian, <clears throat> the, that was always the critique on, on violence was his I vocals. hated it back in the day because I thought the music was interesting, but the vocals I was like, yeah. Yeah, but it, it sort of fits with like kind but of it's the velocity now. of yeah. the, 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 the you know, music and stuff like that. And so, so yeah, we decided to do something a little bit different. Why in the hell did we just play violence? Who, uh... Well, there's a dude that uh, he's known for lots of things. Most of all, probably as far as this genre of music, uh, the Death album covers. Yeah, Leprosy. Mr. Uh, Ed Ripka. Yep. And uh, we're not doing just an Ed Ripka show, but we no, because decided... that'd be too easy. Yeah, that'd be... <laughs> but we decided it'd be kind of fun to just kind of have a um, a broad discussion on stuff that is probably near and dear, especially to Mark. Uh, probably inspires a lot of the type of art that you've done through the years is this sort of album art uh, from metal. Well, a lot of it back before you could try it before you buy it, like you can now with almost anything. Yeah. That's what pulled you into the albums. Like yep. we wouldn't have got, you know, um, Oh fuck. What's the other, the one he did a uh, massacre record. Yeah. I probably wouldn't have got that yeah, except for the, yeah, yeah, except for the, the Ripka cover or even like, you know, the up above my, LP thing. I've got all those stupid like death masks and like the the death statue from from leprosy, leprosy and yeah. stuff like that's all based on his original shit. And that leprosy album cover is probably one of the most like iconic death metal covers ever done because it wasn't it wasn't gory. It wasn't it like told the story completely. It wasn't just like this. Actually, a lot of his stuff does that. Even like yeah, I was uh, say, he's got great storytelling. Scream bloody gore is like this weird like communion of weird. Like Looks skeleton like dudes like passing around a, or like a chalice Spanish horror film or something yeah. like that. Yeah. Well, even like spiritual uh, healing, you know, yeah. like I mean, tells a story about what the title track and oh, some absolutely of stuff are going to be. 
So, like, if you do the rundown on Repka, who we'll kind of start with, what we're talking about is obviously death. Um, we've got atheist, uh, unquestionable presence, and mm-hmm. pieces of piece of time, right? Piece of time, yeah. Um, I didn't write all the albums down. I just wrote the artist. Uh, Three Inches of Blood, because you said it out loud, so I wrote it down, even though we laughed. Uh, 2004, yeah. Advance and Vanquish? Yeah, oh, I don't know. Not even sure. uh, but we got Dark Angel, uh, Darkness Ascends, and um, Leaf Scars. Is that the yep. other one you did? Yeah, okay. Well, Dark Dark Angel, he did the logo. Oh, just the logo. Okay. Yeah, which is that's cool that he does logos yeah, as well. Yeah, that's pretty sweet. Toxic, I think he did the uh, World Circus, right? Did, I think he did Toxic. Uh, for sure, World Circus. I don't know if he did. Oh, yeah, World Circus, Think, think This. Think This? Okay. Yeah. Uh, those gruesome covers, which are really odes to the original the death, death covers. Stuff, yeah. Um, some early high... So he did some Hyrax stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, He's one, I think. Just one. Uh, Holy Grail. He's uh, probably mo- outside of death. He's probably most known for the Megadeth. Yeah, I was gonna say Peace Cells and Rust in Peace, um, and like all the different singles, like the Hangar Eighteen, uh, Holy Wars, Punishment Do. Um, I think those are the only two singles off that that album. But the, all those kind of told like another uh, interesting little segment of the story of the album cover, like even deeper almost. Do you, would you kind of credit him with the sort of creation of of kind of the Megadeth character? I don't know if he did. If because... he created. Vic Rattlehead or because not? Vic, because I mean, you have the skull on the cover of the debut, but it wasn't illustrated. It was just sort of like a weird. It's like made image, yeah. But it, it still like, had the, it had all the elements like the welded on, yeah, whatever the hell any of that stuff is. So I guess he just kind of took it and ran with it. So he's not Probably. like a, a Derek Riggs type character where he's kind of like seeing like the, the evolution of the character almost all the way through. You know, although Derek Riggs didn't really create Eddie, right? We no, he did. About that. I thought the uh, Steve Harris was kind of talking about the stage show of what he was trying to put together, and then that sort of created almost the concept well, they had of Eddie. the concept of Eddie, but the the look of Eddie because that's true. Eddie started being like a kabuki mask that yeah, that's what it was come out of its mouth it and shit. Eighty two show, I think we yeah. we quote it from that uh, Martin Popoff book. Yeah, but Riggs he came up with the you know that punky weird you yeah. know Eddie thing. That's true. And then they decided like yeah, that's that's Eddie I mean, I Ed. I, I would say the quintessential like Vic is kind of peace cells and yeah. you know, that's like really the iconic sort of image you sort of get from them. Um, you get municipal waste, you got possessed beyond the gates, you got sanctuary, uh, even the first toxic Holocaust full length, um, Wrath child America's first one. Um, and even like we were talking about some of the stuff like that he did beyond metal that was still sort of part of metal, which is like the King diamond action figure and some of those planet of the apes, uh, he's like the, the card art. He's yeah, done for those. He did uh, a lot of the Mars attacks. Yeah. Like tops trading cards and stuff too. He's a pretty prolific guy, but, uh, do you have a favorite of his when you talk about, I mean, I know you mentioned leprosy, but is there it's, one that, I mean, probably either leprosy or spiritual healing, to be honest, even the spiritual healing is not like, uh, it's not an evil. No, but it really, it really shows his, um, his style is not typical, like what I would associate with death metal covers. It's, it's pretty like slick looking. Yeah. Um, it doesn't look painterly. It looks really like graphic almost. I can see that. Like it looks more drawn than painted, I guess. Um, he kind of maybe owes more to, you know, some of the old like EC. It's like a like EC and Mad, and he almost has that kind of like comedic vibe to some of the stuff too, even if it's not intentional. Well, I was just gonna—I'm gonna, gonna kind of put you on the spot, being the resident artist here. Um, like, what what do you think makes if you're defining like great album covers? Like, you know, obviously we talked about how in the the pre-internet era, you know, 
you and I many times bought albums based off of just album covers and things like that. But oh, like, yeah. What what other kind of uh, things do you think have to be there? Because you've done album covers before. So, mm-hmm. I mean, like, when you Nothing conceptualize yeah. some of that sort of stuff, what is, what's your intention? I mean, most of it, I think, comes down to, um, like, especially with something, somebody like Ripka, it's the, his color palettes are always, like, it's, it's you know, people don't even notice this stuff usually because when it's done well enough, but it's usually uh, a color and then a complementary contrasting color that makes whatever pop. Yeah. And then always his, his, um, like, think of the P-Cells cover, like how it's the, the rule of thirds in photography that you, if you take a photograph and you split it into thirds, you should have your subject matter on one of those lines. It shouldn't be dead center. It's always off to the side or slightly, you know, Got it. askew like that is like a, just a, a basic design concern that he always adheres to really well. And I feel like his use of color is super iconic. Because yeah, like it's you, super oversaturated. You think of like leprosy and you have that sort of like that reddish tone and spiritual healing with that like bluish tone. Yeah. And even like toxic uh toxics like world circus that green tone and mm-hmm. you know even like almost the this piece sells it's almost like a maroonish kind of color to it it's it's like it's got like that yeah that uh it's it's a oh, weird right yeah i can kind of see it um that's a tiny little thumb yeah right? but it, it's it's like reds and and purples and things kind of blend it together in a really interesting way i i guess it just sort of stands out to me from like a, a color sort of spectrum yeah i think yeah. his stuff even the further he went on, it got even like uh, think of like the Rust in Peace cover. Yeah, how that thing pops, and even, he was even the atheist like piece piece of time. You know, yeah. like that red and then a questionable presence is very blue. Yeah, there's kind of something to he it. He sticks with that. to those yeah those real basics, and then he, later on he started doing stuff digitally, which you can stuff gets a little cleaner, and I don't really like it quite as much. But gotcha. It's uh, I mean all the stuff, all of it's there still. So we kind of decided to talk uh, kind of the way I, I sort of organized it. I don't know if you want to call it that, but like kind of looking at some of the people that were maybe more iconic, bigger uh, artists sort of that got their start in the 80s, especially with some of like the thrash and things like that. Um, you know, you go on to Pusshead, uh, who's like kind of another guy. You know, what's what's the aesthetic of a guy like Pusshead? He's weird because he's, it's a mix of, he's like a really polished like punk aesthetic yeah like the old like you know uh cut and paste collage type um like punk sleeves is what it it always reminded me of but then it was just like wow that guy's better than everybody else and the way he could draw skulls which weren't anatomical but everybody tried to copy the way he drew skulls yeah and obviously everybody he's he's very associated with metallica Mm -hmm. that's like kind of where he comes in the most but like i was sort of surprised to find out he had done you know, things like some of those early prong records, you know, mm-hmm. Ruby Wrong and, and stuff, COC Animosity, I, which, you know, is kind of a ugly cover, but, like, it it fits, like, it works. his aesthetic. Yeah. yeah. He even did some of the early Kylesa stuff, which is pretty cool. Oh, yeah, I forgot about that. Um, You know, SODs, Live at the Budokan. He did um, some of the bigger kind of Hyrax records in the mid-'80s. Um, it was a Raging Violence, I think he did. Um, and even going back to the early, early-'80s, he did that first, I think, EP from Wasted Youth. One of the sort of first, um, were they Straight Edge, Wasted Youth? I feel like they were. They sound like they might be. Yeah, I can't try to remember. Reagan's Inn is what it was called. And then even some Integrity stuff that he sort of did here and there. Oh, and he did, he did like skate decks and stuff too. And yeah. like it, it, all that stuff kind of like, because at that time, like Metallica was a pretty big crossover with skate culture, as was sure. any of this, yeah, like, thrash music. Yeah, you know. 
So, I mean, I, I guess what stands out to you? What's your favorite thing that he did? Like Puss had when you kind of think of it from like an art standpoint. I think all the Injustice for All T-shirt stuff. That I stuff really, is awesome. I really did because there's a a ton of it, but it all. I can't remember another band having that like that much great merch all done by the same dude that all had like the same kind of visual flair to sure. it. Yeah, and it all kind of weirdly worked. Yeah, I agree. Yeah, no, like Repco's like Repco's to me like the like the guy I associate as like the quintessential maybe kind of like thrash transitioning into some of that early death metal Mm -hmm. kind of uh you know artists like he kind of really defines that sort of era a little bit but yeah i think puss had kind of brought like a like you said a punk aesthetic that's yeah a little bit more raw but but they're both coming from old traditions too not like bringing old traditions into like a modern modern day sense which some of the later on people are going to be like squarely these are death metal artists sure (laughs) you brought a certain set of skills so, like, when you think of, like, in a kind of different direction, what doesn't work for, like, metal kind of art for you? Like, even through the ages, you know, we could... Digital, purely digital, digital photo manipulation. Um, you use... think of, like, examples, like, quintessential, when you saw that cover, you were just like, fuck. Even if the band was great, like, the cover, like, turned you away. Did I hate it? Um, I mean, like, that. some of the Demu stuff, like, um, where it was, like, a naked chick with stuff superimposed on it and... Lots of like obvious Photoshop filters, and because you can do stuff well, you yeah. can do it classy. You can do um, like a lot of early Travis Smith stuff. Looks pretty. It still looks pretty timeless. It looks like traditional, like you know, photography methods. Sure. But just some of that stuff, I kind of, or even like uh, like on Thorns I Lay, a lot of that Holy Records stuff that uses a lot of just Nathan lots Records of yeah, stuff. lots of photo manipulation. Yeah. That that stuff looks the most dated to me out of any of, especially the logo treatments and text drop shadows and like embossing and a lot of that stuff just does not age well for me so do you think that that stuff has like rune bands for you like is it hard for you as like an artist to like look oh no some of that no i mean if it's a band like paradise losses has terrible covers yeah like they've never had a consistent the only era of theirs that i love is everything from icon through draconian because it's all done by the same people and like all that stuff looks cohesive all the singles look good but usually, like, I mean, they've got some terrible album covers. Sure. And that stuff, it doesn't deter me from the band, but it all, it, it's, it's, I'm not drawn to the, for the covers. It's yeah. like, like I, I'm already invested, but they, that could definitely, like, if I saw, especially back in the day, if I would have saw that, I'd be like, yeah. Turns you away a little. Yeah. But also I know why that stuff happened because there's so much, a glut of so many album covers that were painted that everything looked like a fucking D and D thing or whatever. Like people want to do something different and death metal, especially if you're more experimental and you want to get away from that, like all the anathema and brides and all that stuff kind of bride had some really bad covers too. look like some of them were MS paint, like the, some of those later on. Oh, the later. Yeah. I'm thinking like (sighs) the early stuff. Early stuff's great. It was all, that was all Aaron doing photo manipulation and stuff. Like, like actually taking negatives and putting them together and making, you know, which is some of the stuff that you used to do like with eclipse. I remember, yeah, you know, like scratching like photo negatives and just, Oh yeah. Like some kind of cool, like, like, you know, you were taking a lot of photography classes then and stuff. Yeah. I I mean, I'm, I was guilty of doing the same shit of like manipulating photos and doing stupid text by some of the technology of like 2001, 2002 at the time. Sure. Too. I think. Yeah. But I mean, I look back at most of those and I'm like, eh, yeah. I mean, it was fine. I like the what I tried to do with the aesthetic of the magazine, but the covers are mostly kind of shit, I think. Really? I, I, I still think some of those covers... The, I like well. the... Um, even though it's just horribly bleak, nobody's probably going to even... The hanging noose one. The is, hanging one looks, that's, that's, that looks good. That's pretty bad. And that's 
but I took all the photos and put it together. So yeah. I can get more behind that, but like the the one with like the guy with the wings and crap, that's all like Yeah. I like, can see that. That's kinda That was I took a picture of myself and then found some stuff in a magazine that I scanned in and old it's like okay. The one we did for seven with uh our friend Aaron Arbogast, I think still kinda has like a a creepiness to it. Yeah, that was just a straight photograph too. Yeah. Except if you look on her finger, she has a dog ring. Oh yeah. <laughs> but that was like, yeah, like a mannequin. Like that was just kind of straight photography, but sure. Um, well, like going back just because it was something that I thought about that I forgot to ask you before is um, like being like that we were kind of comic guys. Did it, was it something like special when like a Dave McCune uh, kind of did like, or Bill Sienkiewicz, or, or any of those guys where you saw they had done things, you know, in comics, and all of a sudden they're reaching into, like, your world of sort of metal. Was that, like, an extra bonus, or? I don't remember really even, I mean, I remember seeing, like, the Sandman covers that McKean did, and then, um, and then he did, like, like Paradise Lost, Shades of God, um, he did the first Bride record, mm-hmm. which his stuff was, yeah, interesting, where he took, it was, like, paintings with photos and then collage, with like, but also three dimensionality. So he like would make the whole thing and then photograph. Yeah. So it add like a different kind of level to it. But I wasn't really the the comics I liked. He wasn't involved with. Like I never read Sandman or any okay. of that stuff. So I was kind of a Sandman nerd. Yeah. Before I got into Paradise Lost. So I, I remember seeing. Of... I always liked his stuff. Seeing like the. I don't think they had the collections at that time, but I think he did all the individual issue mm-hmm. covers too. Yeah. That 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 was always something that was interesting. It looked like especially like Sinkavich, Bill Sinkavich, who was a. Still a very prolific comic artist. Did a lot of stuff with like Daredevil and New Mutants. New and, Mutants, yeah. Um, just like really, you know, like unconventional. He did approaches uh, to stuff. Who did Arkham Asylum? Was that McCune or was that Sinkevich? I think it was. It's one of those two. It's, but like that, like I remember when that came out, that was like such a radical approach. Yeah, you know, I know Sinkevich did like some of the. He did that like cool. Um, Daredevil, Electra. Um, I thing the Miller. Yeah, uh, Miller kind of was Electra Assassin. He did that miniseries, but also that it was like I've a, got that. It was like a graphic, graphic novel. novel. Yeah, it's where it's like, got Kingpin uh, is Born just Again like this or something like that. No, Born Again was a Daredevil like multi issue series. Um, yeah, it's, it's like Love Again or, or something. Yeah, it's Kingpin like all blobbed out in the the front. But he's, and he's always wearing a, a vest that he just like cut out wallpaper patterns and stuck on. Like yeah, it's it's, it's wild stuff. But it like if you just talking about it, it sounds ridiculous. But if you look at it, you're like oh okay, yeah, it, it it's works. a really interesting. But way it's to very do it. stylized. He did a bunch of those. Do you remember um, what the fuck were those? My mom used to get them. She's a my mom was a uh, she's a retired teacher now, and she's th- through the book orders. They used to have this um, like the classics illustrated. Do you remember those? Mm-hmm. Where like Sinkavich did uh, he did Moby Dick in that style? Oh no shit! Stuff they just like redid like you know like uh, I can't even think of some of the other ones that they did. But the Moby Dick one was great. I can imagine. And he did, he did a bunch of those as well, yeah. kind of adapting those. But I just know, like, I remember being like kind of geeked when, um, you know, and again, this is this shows my age a little bit because I was still in high school and still drawn into like kind of stuff that I'm not proud of necessarily from a comic perspective. But we were all there once. The, the um, kind of Spawn uh, type cover that like Ice Earth did and stuff like that, where I was like, oh, well, that was know. that was. Uh, I don't think it was. It was the guy that followed Greg Capulio. Yeah, it was Capulio and stuff. So I remember seeing stuff like that and kind of being like, oh, that's interesting. Cause yeah, because like Farland did coming together. the corn cover. Yep. The follow the leader cover, yep. didn't he? Yep. And then, yeah, then it was, uh, 
the Iced Earth one wasn't like some like Pharaoh or something on the cover of it. It's um, it's something like I remember the song Dark Age, but I think it was about like a lot of it was based off of Spawn. Some of the like the the lyrics of like the actual record. Oh, was it? Yeah, like Vengeance is mine and and things like that. If memory serves. Um, oh yeah, that makes. I mean, that would have like been the, around the time of that kind of stuff. Like you know, yeah, he did the Alive Blues. Athens, uh, re- uh, cover too. Caputo did. Okay. Um, and maybe Horror Show even. So like all that stuff in that like the sense. late '90s and, and things like that. But I, I guess... remember kind of like being like it gave like some validity to some of like yeah my old comic book. Well, it's nice to have that that crossover appeal. Yeah, I mean, I was like, you know, when Games Workshop did Bolt Thrower stuff, like I was a gamer at that point and yeah. really liked Warhammer shit. I was like, oh, this band's all about it. So why would I not check this out? Absolutely, absolutely. Those kind of crossover things are always good. I think uh, I think the kind of artists that I, I sort of want to talk about for a second are like the artists that I guess you would say are we associate with like a specific band and kind of talk about if you have like a favorite out of these. Um, so we got Larry Carroll. Mm-hmm. And Larry Carroll, of course, Rain and Blood, South of Heaven, Season of the Abyss, um, and then Christ the Illusion. Christ Illusion kind of record. Um, so we've got him. We've I think a... he did World Painted Blood too. Yeah, he might have. Like he, because there was a couple different versions of that cover. Oh yeah, I think yeah. he might have done some talking. pieces for it. Like the original cover was too. I think it was t- too much, so they had to like censor it or make it. So he had to fold the whole thing yeah, out or something. I remember that. Um, what do you think he brought? To the band. I mean, we talked about him in a patron, or uh, when we did the Big Four, we were kind of rating the artwork of the Big Four. But... Yeah, his stuff is—it's kind of like fine art. Yeah, really. And it elev- i think it elevated Slayer way beyond the first couple records. Because when you looked at those, you're like, "What the fuck is this shit?" Yeah, I mean, you could just stare at that like face on seasons for yeah. forever and just kind of get lost into like... or all the weird shit in Rain and Blood. Like you—it reminds me of. Like really dark versions of Terry Gilliam Gilliam's um, uh, animations that he did for Monty Python. Sure, like, like it was a mix of like collage with paintings and then like whatever the fuck else he put in there. Or even like the Hieronymus Bosch stuff, which yeah, like yeah, you know, kind of is associated with another guy that we could kind of talk about after Larry Carroll, which would be Dave Patchett, and we'll we'll talk yeah. about him in a second. But I just think that the Larry Carroll stuff like it added. Um, you know, when you talk about, like, what's the difference between, like, horror movies that work and horror movies that don't, I, th- I think Slayer, with having those Larry Carroll covers, like, it added a different aesthetic to them that made them a little bit more threatening than, like, what Metallica or Megadeth or Anthrax, no matter how kind of iconic some of those covers are from those bands. Yeah. To me, like, there was something, like, there was this, like, extra layer of, like, uncomfortable evil with what he was doing because it wasn't comic booky it wasn't you know ad rep it it wasn't you know what i mean it was very like occultish yeah and some of it like even like the um was it the south of heaven or uh seasons it's just it looks almost kind of crude folk art that's what i mean it looks like something you'd find in a museum you know like it was a something you wouldn't want to untomb or something like that yeah like an incantation was gonna like sort of come out of that a little bit and the, yeah, South every like look just looking at them again now like the color palettes were perfect for Slayer, and it it set them apart in a way like Metallica stuff, at least Master Puppets and uh, um, Injustice Injustice yeah. have like a political edge mm-hmm. to it, which kind of makes you know makes sense and makes it seem a little better, more relevant or less you know hokey like the Megadeth covers yeah. kind of were, but yeah, just looking at like Carol's covers is like. 
yeah. it just adds to the intrigue of of what slayer was and that's what i mean like there's something like a found art kind of aspect like you know when i think of like texas chainsaw massacre like what makes that movie sort of like more uneasy than like your average kind of horror film is that it just feels like it's just found yeah you know like it's just like there's an organic kind of uncomfortableness to, to sort of what it's doing it doesn't have a lot of plastic sheen to it mm-hmm. and i think they'll you know not to say he's not a polished artist because he is he's he's fantastic oh, his but... stuff's very intentional as the way i mean but if you look at each one is slightly like it starts out rain and blood's probably the most refined yeah and then it starts getting more ab- like south of heaven's it's a little like more abstract and, yep and then seasons is like yeah. bonkers yeah 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 so he was always like i think that was something that al- was alluring to me about slayers like if you could like get into those covers and and beyond like it was like a gateway to something that felt a little bit more evil i guess yeah you know kind of add it to it i think it definitely like i don't know if they would have had the same i would have liked them still but the intrigue wasn't wouldn't like have if been they that. had like ed repka covers like it would have been cool but like it wouldn't have been slayer yeah because something know? they were always something was always okay about if you were like a, a skater kid or a punk kid you could listen to slayer and you could listen to motorhead and yeah. that was okay and then later on, like death, like death metal became okay. Sure, but there, there's something like not serious. I guess, I guess more serious. It's, it's a little more, more visceral. Yeah, yeah, like I said, there's something more. It's not of, exactly just like what you see is what you get. Yeah. Cover, you know. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and I mentioned Dave Patchett before. He's kind of a favorite of ours, being huge Cathedral fans that we are, and uh, the first Electric Wizard. Yeah. Um, and then the, the uh, Dance of Death Iron Maiden that he did a preliminary design for them that they then put digital created characters on the top of it and never changed it just a debacle right yeah yeah that's still a kind of a sad yeah because that thing. could have been a f- fucking badass it would have been a great knowing what his stuff looks like it's a shame that that never happened but but his stuff with cathedral is just i mean the whole story with him is that lee was just walking home from somewhere and there's like there's a small little like local art gallery and he popped in and saw this stuff and was blown away yeah and then called the guy up and he was like some older guy that just did this for on the side, I guess. Yeah. And that was just like ever since the, you know, that time, he just like commissioned stuff. Every cathedral record except the last spire, I think. Yeah. Or the, there's that one that was. Um, Nine, uh, Nine equal, um, no, not Nine Is that yellow and purple? Yeah, it's the one that um, Stephen O'Malley did the cover for. Yeah. It's the one from 2001. I can't. I think there's a hatchet piece inside. Yeah, I think you're right. Or something, But it too. wasn't the main cover. Yeah. So, like, do you think he... Like, was he that weird? Or was that all stuff like Cathedral was sort of ordering up? Have was, you ever listened to interviews with this guy? I, I feel like I have have years ago, maybe when we were doing the Cathedral podcast, but... He's pissed off was there. It's kind of bonkers. Lee, like, definitely pushed him in different directions, yeah. but... He didn't give him a ton of direction on what to do with stuff. Okay. So I think a lot of it just kind of poured out of him because yes. he had such a weird, unique style. I mean, you know, you think of like the, those first couple, especially, mm-hmm. you know. Um, oh, Forest of Equilibrium, you've got the, you know, the two different sides of light and dark. Which and, is like Hieronymus Bosch type yeah, stuff. There's tons of classical elements put into the stuff. But even. I, mean, I think Carnival Bazaar is like, that's. Like, that and Ethereal Mirror are, like, just so mind-blowing. That and then, like, I forget which even one this is. There's so many goddamn cathedral records. 
Yeah, um, I was going to say, do you have kind of a, a favorite? I really dig. I think this one was from the, the really shitty one, that the U.S. version. They were just on the cover. Oh, yeah, yeah. I know what you're Which saying. I can't think of. They had um, a bunch of Planet of the Apes crap on it. Um, it had, like, Utopian Blast. Or, no. No, that's... Um, that's, uh, that's Carnival Bizarre. What the fuck was, was it? Look up, uh, it's, like, Supernatural Birth Machine. I think it is. Is that what it was? Yeah, End Time is the one we were thinking of. Oh, yeah, End Time was the 2001. Yeah, that's the one I just showed you. That was, like, a... a supernatural birth machine the uk version had a close-up of that but i just like that huge yeah that and a lot of the singles he did yeah some pretty interesting shit too and i mean i've got the soul sacrifice thing tattooed on my arm it's, and that's i that's love that image too. yeah but for him you know i mean it was like sort of like i don't know it's like classical sculpture yeah. kind of stuff like it's something you'd see like like it should be like a fountain or yeah, something for in, sure in athens or something i don't know it's that's and he's this stuff is always just kind of blew me away with how different i think that it definitely set cathedral it elevated the what they were i think a little bit too they could have been just without that i think they would have been just like slayer would be missing a little something without without that marriage of artwork i was that gonna say that's pivotal that's, period that's what's so interesting about this like group of artists i'm kind of going through is you almost can't imagine them without without the other you know i think it was interesting like i like that first electric wizard cover you know mm-hmm. it's been interesting to see I think they wanted to not be a cathedral light club or something. You know what yeah. I mean? Like that was very conscious of them, but that first record's just like a kind of Sabbath cathedral doom kind of record before they really kind of explore yeah, it's the not, noise and, and some of that yeah, kind of stuff, yeah, you know, devil bride and, and things like that. But yeah, I think, uh, I, I think I've told the story probably when we did the cathedral shows about wearing the force of equilibrium shirt in school. And I had the fucking naked fat, statue the buddha looking guy with the blue the boobs and stuff on it and the principal like kind of pulling me aside and asking me like what the fuck was going on and i just said ah it's like shakespeare and he was like (laughs) oh like he was like so confused he's like okay he never heard that like he just like freaked him out i was like yeah it's like some shakespeare like uh midsummer night's dream kind of stuff and he was like oh uh okay Uh, all right so yeah so i have i still have that shirt in my uh ethereal mirror shirt so I'm definitely a fan of his artwork and, and that sort of stuff. Yeah, I can't think of there's there's not a whole lot of bands now that I have had that relationship with an artist where they're like the singular, you know, Almost nobody for the whole career. Yeah, and like they don't really do anybody else's stuff because now is such a, I mean, there's so many fucking bands out there. But then you look every couple of years, there's like a hot artist that gets inundated, does way too much shit. And people get burned out. Get kind of overexposed. Yeah. Yeah. And that seems to be like the, at least the last like 10 year cycle sure. of stuff. Yeah. Well, and then you've got, you've got, uh, what Doug Johnson, who did the, the trio of priest records, which are yeah. pretty iconic. Yeah. Um, Screaming for Vengeance, Turbo and, uh, Defenders of the Faith. Um, his stuff was just stuff like as a kid, I would just kind of stare at like him and Derek Riggs. I didn't, like, his Doug stuff. I didn't know what, how it was made. I couldn't tell what the fuck it was made from because it looked like it was like cut out paper mm-hmm. or like sometimes airbrushed or like it had a really like weird art nouveau yeah vibe to it. It it definitely stands out, you know. I mean, yeah. like when you it's not heavy metal either. It's like it's kind of like how cathedral make cathedral stand out like doing this kind of weird sure. shit. Like that was not what I would have expected from a priest record. Well, and I just remember like walking past the stuff being a young kid, not really knowing who Judas Priest were, and you just kind of stopped in your tracks and like stared at Defenders of Faith, or you stare you know, stare at the Screaming Eagle, and you're just like, yeah. huh? And like it kind of stopped you in your tracks, and 
he never really did anything else for for at least other music stuff that I know of, um, based on kind of. No, I, l- I looked him stuff. up a while ago, and he did. Um, I think he did like a j- couple jazz covers. Okay, that or really something makes sense a little. But yeah, his stuff was just really kind of. It 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 looked like it was, like it was a very specific late seventies early eighties thing that you'd see in magazine design, mm-hmm. but you never really saw that taken into like. He, it seems like he'd never drawn anything like this before. And they're like, can you make a tank that's kind of like a tiger? Okay. <laughs> yeah. Without any guidance, just use it like based on his style. And like, it was almost oh. like something you would see with like New Wave or like Duran Duran or, or something yeah. that was like... It always had tracers very... and stuff, like weird psychedelia shit yeah. thrown into it as well. It's, yeah, pretty wild. It's bizarre. Now, do you have like a... Do you have a preference for those three covers? I probably, I think the Screaming one is so it's iconic. Yeah. yeah. I think I was so young. When I do that like the came Turbo out. one too, though. Yeah, the Turbo's pretty fun. <laughs> Defenders is probably mine. I think, okay, a little bit. I've but... redrawn the Defenders thing so many different times. Oh, you did it for things. Decibel. Right? I did it for Decibel. I did a button. I don't think I ever got that one. I did a button for Metalhead box with the the Defenders thing. Oh, shit. Yeah. When did that? I haven't seen that one yet. They might be backlogging these things. Oh, okay, so okay. I haven't seen it come out yet. That, that's definitely one I want. Yeah, that was. That's, you guys haven't it's checked a that weird stuff thing out. too. I don't, I don't know if we've talked about that, but like. I think about your if art. you if you do I think it's a themetalheadbox.com it's a Canadian um, company just a couple people uh, Melissa and forget the other she's usually one I'm in contact with but every month it's just one of those subscription boxes but yeah. everything they have in there is usually exclusive designs and I've done a bunch of enamel pins for them and they're fucking sweet so. I redid their their logo and some of the website art and some other like their their ad that you see in Decibel I I did that and I was subscribed to them for a while and now I just buy the pins individually because um, there's so. a lot of st- I mean it, it's great if you're want to be surprised yeah but if you're like old and crotchety like us you're very specific in what you want at this point and yeah. you have enough like metal shirts that you don't need like like I got yeah. the Destroyer six 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 shirt and I'm like. Cool. cool. <laughs> like, you know, yeah. like somebody would be excited for this, yeah. but it's probably not me at this point in my life. But you know? yeah, out of all the, because I know that the subscription box thing is kind of a, it's everywhere. I mean, you get it for fucking meat and whatever, you know, toys. And, ones. Yeah. yeah. But this, they, they seem to curate it really well. And I've, yeah. you know, I see some of the like unboxing things on YouTube and people really seem to, to enjoy it. And I, they're, they're good people. So yeah, yeah so I'm 100% behind like, them. Kind of mark stuff and you want to get a hold of the pins and stuff like that very cool so um another guy we kind of mentioned Derek riggs i mean yeah. like there's a lot to unpack there but yeah do you have um, a particular i mean we could talk on and on but do you have a particular era or cover of his that you think is like the somewhere in time somewhere in time yeah you? i think that's okay. the best one okay that's the most that's the one that i looked at forever as a kid yeah Kind of staring at it. Yeah, it's like I. Ah, this looks like I sh- really interesting, but I'm like scared to even buy it. Yeah, really. Yeah. Okay. I mean, Iron Maiden cover scared me as, a little you bit. You know, too. as a young, because I was sure. listening to Hall and Oates and yeah. you know whatever at the time. Um, that and like Power Slave is great. The, I, think I really like all the. Guy, I dig that Power Slave one. The singles too. I really dug how like he. It was neat to have to see Eddie in so many different you know Situations. scenarios and stuff. Yeah. yeah. But that, yeah, that somewhere in time when you can just look at it for, plus, you know, I like the Blade Runner and, you know, it's got a lot of those kind of isms and you can see the band really tiny on the, on the backside of it. That's probably, I think for me, why, if I go into my interests, cause I've talked about like what other tattoos would I want? And I, I could, I could sort of imagine the, the pyramid, Eddie, just yeah. being a history teacher. Like it kind of just fits with my world travel 
it's kind of it's all kind of packaged there. Yeah. Um, I, mean, I do Eddie, like the peace of mind Eddie the best, I think, for some reason. Looks awesome. That's my favorite Eddie, I think. That but the, the cover wise. Seven Sun Eddie's pretty fucking cool too. It's weirdly abstract though. Like I wouldn't know how to if I was gonna get a tattoo, yeah. I'd get the peace of yeah, mind I Eddie, get what I think. You're saying. Yeah. So you're talking tattoo design. Yeah. Killers is like that's like the iconic. Yeah, but I don't like the hair. I like Eddie better uh, bald, I you think. You don't like his long metal hair? <laughs> no. Oh, that's interesting. I don't. Huh. It's weird. I like the I like the Fear of the Dark Eddie Tree thing as well. Yeah, very cool. Um, kind of like a gremlin Eddie. Yeah, I don't even... I don't know if that was... Because they had a falling out. Riggs did that, I think. I thought he did. I thought that was his last one he did. It might be. He didn't do X Factor. He no, did. that was a... That was a photo. Yeah, he didn't. They didn't do. Uh... When did Riggs come back? Did he come back when Dickinson came back? No, he never came back. So he hasn't. Oh yeah, he didn't do anything in the two thousands. No. Damn. What was the falling out? I don't. Uh, I have that Riggs book, but I don't think I've read it. I think it was basically down to um, that they didn't use him anymore. Huh. They found somebody else that they could probably use for do for cheaper. And I think that's where. Um, let me see if he has. She has a. And, uh, oh god, his sight is really old. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I think. Um, but it came down to like he was somebody else was doing like merch designs and stuff for him too. Interesting. I guess I didn't like. It makes sense as you said that, and we've probably had this conversation before, but it never yeah. like occurred to me that he didn't do anything more after Fear of the Dark. He did no prayer for sure. Yeah. I'm, per- I'm almost positive awful. that's Fear of the Dark. Is that's him so but uh, it sure looks like it yeah it's gotta be i bet my i bet my because it, it like it's weird because like he ends like the, almost the original cycle of you know maiden before dickinson leaves yeah and so it's like this weird you know the band's entering the 90s and then all this change kind of happens after that oh it was Sorry. the first it was the group's first not to be designed by uh Derek Riggs is fear of the dark who's uh yeah whose con- uh, contributions were rejected in favor of Melvin Grants wow damn so yep. no prayer for the dying eh that yep. was it bring your daughter to the slaughter no prayer for the dying is not a very good cover no it's not maybe that's why they started to well that that record didn't do so hot compared to some of the other stuff so no. maybe they were kind of like trying to you know when they like fire a producer and you know, they try yeah. to, like, do all that kind of stuff. Because, like, the No Prayer cover, if it didn't have this stupid, like, groundskeeper guy, it, it's not that bad. It's not bad. It's just not... It's just not up to... Just everything about that record just seems rushed. And I don't know. There's something, like, off about it. Well, I don't think Dickinson wanted to do that kind of music. He wanted to sp- spread his wings. Yeah. I mean, you got Holy Smoke, Public Enema Number 1. Like, there's a lot of things that are not hooks in you. It's yeah, not a good it, record. It doesn't seem like a Maiden record as no. much. You know, I mean, mean, the Harris songs are good. There's, you know, No Prayer for the Dying, mm-hmm. Tail Gunner, okay. um, The Assassin, Mother Russia. See, I, I, I'll be honest, that's a record I don't pull out very often. <laughs> I don't either. Yeah, I don't, know, I don't know that record that well. I think Bring Your Daughter was such a surprise hit, and it was written completely by Dickinson, that it was kind of like a kick in the dick to you know to harris to yeah. some degree i think that's where some of the the that split like a, began to like a novelty show. song though you know for nightmare on elm street and, yeah you know what i mean well like, even the video i don't know if that came out if that was intended maybe that was just picked up for the movie for, afterwards because okay. there was no there's no imagery like that in the original video 
Yeah, that's true. It's been a long time since I've seen that video. Yeah, it was dumb. I mean, I remember seeing it whenever the fuck this came out. When was this, well, I just uh, posted it for the countdown a couple days ago, the Vinnie Vincent uh, Love 90. Kills for yeah. Nightmare on Elm Street 4, and then you had Dream Warriors in 3, and then this was for 5, right? Dream Child? Yeah, Bring Your Daughter to Slaughter. Yeah, which, I mean, that was kind of work, great running on fumes at yeah, that point. Exactly. So it was like a, a franchise and a band kind of both running on, like, lack of creative fumes kind of fusing together well bring your daughter to the slaughter was number one on the uk charts in 90 that's fucking incredible yeah and it's not that great (laughs) of a maiden song it's kind of like it's not it's kind of just dumb and repetitive but i don't know whatever Whatever yeah it's super it's i mean maybe that's why it's simple and straightforward and 88 was kind of a weird year in the mainstream yeah Uh, you know that's like poison nothing but a good time and this is 90 that was 90 90 no Fear was 90. I thought No Prayer was 88. Uh, Fear Fear the Dark is... Uh, Seven Suns 88. Fear the Dark's 92. Oh, yeah, you're right. Fuck. I'm, I'm off. Yeah. On my, my years. Because yeah. Fear the Dark... They, that was like right when they were on the edge of being completely like... No, who, who gave a shit anymore? Yeah, that's true. That's true. That's well, still got some good stuff on it. Yeah, that record I like more than No Prayer, for sure. But... Yeah, so Derek Riggs is another guy kind of you associate... Um, a couple other names to throw out. You know, we've got Away from Voivod. Mm-hmm. Um, his kind of style is very evocative to the band. Uh, Vincent Locke uh, for Cannibal. He's oh, yeah. Of, he comes know. from comics as well, from the that zombie. What the fuck was that called? Uh, Dead World. It was a, he was a Detroit guy. Okay. Um, that was a zombie comic before zombie comics were a thing in the yeah. late 80s. And he's been, I think he's done almost every single... Cannibal. Cannibal cover except for... I don't think he did the first one, did he? Yeah, he did the first he did one. The first one. Yeah. For some reason, I thought Butchered was his first. That was like another guy doing. That. No, he did. I think he did all of them except for. What is it? Bleed or what the hell is that one? The kill. Oh, kill. Yeah, because that cover was just, just a close up of kill. Like, or it's just like. Yeah, I don't know if he did anything on the inside. Yeah, I'm not sure. That's um, a great record too. Yeah, one of my favorites, but. Yeah, Vincent Locke, uh, away and. Um... Yeah, I think those are the the other two names that I kind of I associate with like specific bands. So yeah, and then the last guy to kind of talk about before we kind of uh, close this set out and get into some other stuff is is Michael Whelan. Um, kind of an interesting, sort of fantasy oriented sort of guy, right? Was he? Uh, you thought he kind of did like pulp novel kind of things or fantasy novels at first? He's, well, he's known for the Michael Moorcock's. Uh, what was it the Eldrick? Eldrick, yeah. Series, uh, but yeah, mostly his stuff was was known as fantasy stuff until. God, what was the? I'm trying to think of the like the Sirith. He all the Sirith Ungul covers are Michael Moorcock book covers. Sure. And they just got a hold of Waylon, and he's always been supportive of the band and lets him them license the stuff for T-shirts and whatever. And yeah, there's that new. Um, uh, what the hell is it called? The I'm Alive, yep, like four disc thing that Metal Blade just put out. There's a two hour documentary on there. Oh no shit! And they actually interview Michael Whelan and they talk about their relationship and stuff on it. It's pretty cool. I uh, should get that, but no, it's worth it. I have to check it out. And the, the live shows are great, and it's it's definitely something worth picking up. I just didn't want the records because it's sixty dollars. So and... expensive. <laughs> so much crap. Well, and then Whelan's interesting because he's a guy that I'll be the first to admit it. I got confused with another guy we're going to talk about in the next set um, because I was always under the impression when I saw like the covers for some of those Roadrunner records like Cause of Death and Arise and Beneath the Remains and, and things like that, that that was 
Dan Seagrave because he it was like a similar like aesthetic at the same time that those kind of covers were sort of happening yeah this, this seems to be like a common thing that well there's even there's a I remember seeing this internet like a meme somebody put together making fun of like the Seagrave isms yeah and they use that as a as an example, I was like, that's not Dan Seagrave. Like you you <laughs> so, lost your argument, dude. So, so the, that's so funny. Yeah. Cause of death, especially that was one that you told me that today. And I was yeah. like, I stopped in my tracks. I was like, are you kidding me? Like I knew the story of like cause of death getting switched around with, uh, was it beneath the remains art? It was one of the, yeah, it was one of the early Sepulturas. Yeah. I think it was beneath the remains. Yeah. That would make sense. Cause the rise came out after yeah. both those records. Um, yeah, that that the cause of death was originally supposed to be the beneath the remains art, I believe. Yeah, and then there. Well, there because those were both book covers that were optioned for like yeah. the beneath the remains was like a, it might even been a, a H.P. Lovecraft collected paperback, sure or something. I remember actually the record store I used to work at the they bought collections of, um, of old books and I remember flipping through. I was like, holy shit, there's the beneath the remains cover. That's cool. Yeah, I've never seen that. But the rise cover was done as a commission which is one of the weirder that's such a wicked cover too like you like look at it for a while you're like what the fuck yeah like these crab arms roasting a little brain over a thing and it's like (laughs) it's really it's really kind of bonkers but he did the ksad and uh cover as well and roots too. he he must have not done the photograph but the stuff surrounding the photograph or something or do you have a particular favorite of his that sort of jumps out to you i mean his stuff it's kind of all over the place because his some of it's like really refined, like the Sir Thungol stuff or the the Moorcock stuff is yeah. very kind of classic fantasy, which I dig. But I really love the Arise cover; yeah, it's just so fucking weird. And like the color scheme is so like distinctly different from like a metal color. It's like cover brown. Scheme. Yeah, it's like a. Br- it's like Slaughter of the Soul. Like, yeah. why are these huge records brown? Brown, I know. It's but pretty wild. It worked, but it had like a reddish kind of hue to it as well. It was just a weird. I don't know. I remember just when I got that. CD just or the tape at first just staring at that cover is like man that's just what is this thing yeah. it's just cool well and he's still doing stuff actually yes yeah. um the song we're gonna play to kind of uh in honor of some of the things we just talked about is from a band from 2019 uh Smolder mm-hmm. out of Canada um Times of Obscene Evil and Wild Daring which is uh if I was gonna do a best of it would definitely probably crack my top 10 top 15 records of the year I I loved it. Um, Sarah Kitterinum from Banger. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, uh, I think, does she work for Bandcamp now too? Yeah, I, I think, think she's from Bandcamp yeah. now. Yep. Um, and just a, a really iconic, cool cover, like a throwback to some of the, like, Sirith on Ghoul and um, Manila Road. I'm sure that's and, taken and some from, of that kind of stuff. from a fantasy yeah. cover, if I had to guess. But. Yep. Um, but, yeah. So let's, uh, let's jump into that real quick. Take a break. We've got Ilian of... Garethrom from Smolder. Uh, hopefully you dig this stuff. If you haven't uh, listened to this yet, patrons, you'll you'll dig it.
Smolder, Ilian of Garethrom. I don't know if I even said that right, but... Where, where's the writing we'll, of it? We'll go with it. G-A-R-A-T-H-O-R-M. That's some fantasy stuff. Yeah, that's some, <laughs> some fantasy stuff. Yep. Just really rollicking. It's, that whole record is... Uh, if you're a fan of kind of... I hate to use the word. I don't want to say power metal because it's like to me it's like doomy, like Sirithan Ghoul and Manila Road and early Man of War. It's a weird. That's a uh, what do you even call that? It's not power metal. It's, it's uh, like traditional like. It's like modern traditional metal. Yeah, something like that. Something I don't it, know. Like it has doomy aspects of it because it has these like thick meaty riffs. It's like Candlemass riffs and yeah, yeah, for sure. You know, I think it's like it's modern, but it's you know kind of calling back on those older. Band, like it's a non-ironic sure you know sword and sorcery album there was a there was a debate going on on the internet the other day maybe on twitter where someone was debating where doom metal as a tag came from that none of the bands in the 80s that are we sort of quintessentially categorize as kind of like doom metal today refer to them that way like Witchfinder general didn't saint vitus didn't um, even really like trouble and um candlemass didn't that mm-hmm. there was this sort of claim that cathedral was like the first band to like own that term and sort of like sell that term when they kind of broke out as being like doom metal for the first time i th- i think they might have done that because of trying to distance themselves from everything that was fast and stuff yeah like they were the antithesis of napalm death yeah um because i what the fuck i remember almost seeing ads like let there be doom for cathedral shit or yeah it might even been like a combined earache ad i don't remember now but kind of a cool marketing thing to kind of tag yourself as like something like almost like a new genre to sort of generate some, yeah some heat for you because i know the that tomb that term wasn't really that wasn't really even a thing in the 90s you just kind of called it traditional like i we would refer to it as doom sometimes well like, like when the when this shit first came out though yeah it was like it sounds doomy but it wasn't there the tags were weird back then it was like you just got thrown in extreme metal wasn't a term either that's true um, like the term we had grindcore and we had death metal and then black metal and black metal. That was kind of it. And then like paradise lost. Yeah. I was to say like the peaceful sort of sound yeah. was like a weird thing too. Cause that's like where I remember, I don't remember it as much with cathedral, but more with anathema, miter and bride, yeah, the peaceful lost. three stuff. Yeah. yeah. Hmm. I mean, if that was never even a thing either, yeah, but... which is hilarious. That's like, <laughs> if you read the, the no celebration PL book. Like, yeah, they, we were never even on the label at the same time. Yeah, they, 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 <laughs> it's pretty fascinating. It's what are those things called where like you reimagine like history? Um, there's like a term for it. Oh, um, like a a story that's not necessarily true, but but like everybody sort of like collectively believes that it was true, and so it becomes yeah. like there's like a they call it the something factor. I'll have to look it up. But it's like a phenomenon. There's like yeah. a whole video on YouTube that my students got into a few years ago. They're like, dude, have you seen this? I'm like, yeah, I know what this is. Yeah, I've seen it. But so now we're kind of getting into some of the more European kind of guys a little bit. Yeah. Um, we got some, Axel some, Herman and uh, some Germans here. Yeah. Axel Herman, H.R. Uh, Geiger uh, and Andreas Marshall. Those are uh, all Germans. All Germans. Well, Swiss. Well, Swiss. Yeah. yeah. So I guess like Geiger, let's unpack him real quick because he's probably oh. the least prolific of these guys but i think he without his just based on his subject matter and what his you know his aesthetic i think he informed probably more death metal heavy metal artists than anybody just given like the sure his subject matter and his you know how how singular his visions were too um but really he only 
like the Celtic Frost stuff, that was all licensed. Yeah. Um, Danzig the only... stuff. Danzig 3 was licensed, right? Oh, I forgot about that. Did he do that for them, specific? I think he might have. Okay, because we were kind of trying to brainstorm that. Because he did the ELP cover. Yep. And then he did that Debbie Harry cover. Yep. Where he painted, like, painted her up and shit. And then those um, were, like, things he actually did as original pieces. Yeah, they are the commissioned bands. pieces. Yeah. But a lot of the other stuff he really didn't do. The Frost. And... I've totally forgot about that Danzig cover. Yeah, sorry, I forgot to throw that no, out earlier. No, that's, uh, that's just How the God's Kill. Yeah. Um, great cover. That was like, that might have been my first exposure to him because of how young I was. I don't know if I knew those frost kind of things yet. Oh no, that's a license. Is that a license? Yep, that's in that. uh, It's in the big. It's in Giger's Necronomicon that I've got. Gotcha. Yeah, I I was forget. I think he might have done something else with it or something. Did he do Thrall? No, that that was Simon Bisley. Yeah, Simon Bisley who did Judge Dredd and Lobo and all that shit. Yeah. Like speaking of comic book artists that did yeah. stuff for metal yeah yeah then Bisley went, would go on to do a bunch of like the verotic comics for danzig oh yeah yeah that's well. right that's right how much of an influence on you did geiger have on like kind of how you well i because I, I knew of him way before heavy metal from like alien yeah and he was always like in the the magazines like fangoria and those types of things and like just find i found that that necronomicon at a book one of those uh used bookstores in the 90s there's just a pile was of a paperback book exchange like by new moon. No, there was one that, um, do you remember? No, anybody that's listening is not going to know what we're talking about, but, uh, remember where giant way used to be? Yeah. Yeah. There's a place called oh. bargain books there yeah, for a yeah. while. I remember that. And a friend of mine worked there and I just got that. She's like, like, take whatever you want. Like this stuff is like with my discount, it's like a dollar. So just get whatever you want. Giant is where, uh, or giant way. Was it mm-hmm. called giant way? Yeah. That was the first place I bought cassette tapes. That's where I bought. My, I didn't go to record stores because like, they had I a just, good selection I just there. Would, you know, be grocery shopping with my mom and yeah, be like, oh, in excess kick. Yeah, yeah. it's a good tape. Whitney Houston, oh, yeah, <laughs> Bon Jovi, Poison, you know, and then kind of went from there. And then I think I probably stepped into a record store, uh, third, fourth grade for the first time, maybe. But my mom didn't buy records. Do you know what I mean? Like she yeah. wasn't like somebody that was gonna like. I had to make an effort to like get there or well, know remember, how to get there. Did you ever go to the Record Hut in Mount Pleasant? Like, I remember it existing. I don't remember. I'm that was sure a place, like, foot, my dad's like, I'm just going to wait in the car. You can go in there. Yeah. And I felt so out of place going in there. It smelled like weed and cigarettes. Yeah. And I was just looking around for stuff, and I was kind of like... My mom probably knew that, left. so she probably wouldn't take me to those Well, places. it was a head shop, too, and I didn't even know what that meant at okay. that at that time. But I'd, like, bought, like, a Finian Cannibals tape or something. <laughs> I don't even remember what I got. But Fuck I that. just felt embarrassed no matter yeah, what yeah. I took up there, because all these guys seemed so knowing. But. Yeah. Well, I felt that way at New Moon the first time, like when I was sure. starting to go in there, and then I fucking got a job there. Yeah, and then I became yeah. one of those haughty toddy kind of weird. But when you're like, you know, eight, nine, ten years old, it's it's a weird. Everything intimidates you. Yeah, I look at eight, nine year olds today. I'm like, whoa. Yeah, they're fucking tiny. Yeah, I just think of like the autonomy of like making decisions, like creative decisions, and as like an eight or nine year old, be like, whoa, that was pretty wild. And I used to, you know, I grew up in the country, so I would ride my bike into town, which is a couple miles for you. Yeah, yeah. And, you know, go to that little, the, we had like a Kmart and a couple other like Radio Shack and stuff in there, rent videos and, you know, go past Record Hut and all this other shit. But yeah, if you're over by there, you're probably going what Diamond Video? Diamond Video, or there was the other one that was across the street. Um, was it Video Connection? Oh, yeah, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I'm surprised yeah. I still remember yeah, that. Yeah. But they had better horror movies and they didn't, 
like card you. They didn't card you. Or ask, they didn't say like, are you sure you should be renting this? Diamond video, what I remember about it is you had the little magnets that you had to pull off and you put the magnets up and that's how you check the videos out. You didn't bring like the case up or or grab the the case from behind or anything. God, there was a lot of those places. I remember we, the worst thing in the world is try to rent a video on a Friday night and we'd go to like three or four different places sometimes. Yeah, you were driving around like playing the game. Yeah. And then sometimes you ended up at Main Street video and you're like, oof, (laughs) we've really hit hit the bottom bottom. Yeah. So going into like some of these guys, um, I guess let's start with Axel Herman because he's a guy that like is connected to kind of the essence of this podcast in a way because he actually did a cover for Requiem. Yeah, he did. Was it four or Requiem five? I think it was four. I think it was four. Yeah, because no, because five's the blue cover with like Opeth and it's the church and some of that kind of stuff on it. So I had to be. Yeah, four. he did two pieces for us because he he was like basically the guy from, from Century Media. He did like you know grave asphyx uh unleashed yeah, yeah Devil hammer wolfheart from moonspell uh, but i think Samael he was Bush. also an in-house designer for them was he because okay. uh rachelle i forget what her last name was we dealt with her for a long time yep. uh, for central media and she she i think she asked if we wanted i think we interviewed him Okay. And then after the interview, he'd never been interviewed before and thought that was cool that somebody cared enough. Yeah. And he, he faxed us a couple... Just original like, pieces. ...ink drawings that he did. Yeah. And was like, God, these are fucking great. I actually printed a t-shirt that's like way... It's back when extra large t-shirts were, <laughs> were hip for like, you know, 150 pound kids. Um, but yeah, we were just completely blown away that he would just let us use that. That's pretty bad. <laughs> I remember that. I think that, or that Requiem cover, that was one of the first ones I saw of Think of You Guys. So, yeah, I'm pretty sure it's, is that four? It's number three. Oh, it's number three. Okay. Yeah, but that's Didn't a he, pretty badass Who cover. did the four one? Four was like another kind of like weird, um, Mark's going into his drawer. Oh, no, he did both of them. Yeah, yeah I was going to say, I've, I kind of remember That's the ones. one that was faxed. This is the one he actually sent us the okay. thing. Like, that's not quite as as great, but it's still pretty cool to do, like, oh, wow, we got yeah. two Axel Herman covers. Like, that's not bad. You don't see a lot of... Uh, and that was, like, another little piece he sent us. We're like, yeah, let's use that on the cover, too. That's sweet. Yeah, Requiem <laughs> number three. You don't see a lot of those floating around. No. So... I think... Uh, I've got two copies of it, I think. I think I have a copy of three... I think I have a copy of two. I think I don't have one. I think you and Chris have the only We're the original, only ones. Yeah. Original Actually, ones. I've got. he gave me the original printer spreads. Yeah. I remember we were going to... Yeah, I'll make copies of it at some point. Sure. Yeah, yeah. Hey, if there's any uh, old Requiem fans out there that have Requiem 1 want to send me Requiem 1, <laughs> I fucking love it. It'd be kind of cool. So, but yeah, he did those earliest fix. Uh, some of the other kind of like later stuff, like Borknagar, uh, Archaic Course, um, the Death Evocation records, those are mm-hmm. pretty kind of interesting. Um he did a lot. He was a kind of in a long time a Sphix yeah. cover artist. Yeah, he, did he a was bunch kind of, of associated them. with them. Wolfheart from Moonspell. Um, the first two Iced Earths, like with the old, old vocalist Graves, you already mentioned. Clayman from In Flames. Um, Sodom, Code Red, and M16. Uh, old Man Child, Revelation. Angel Dust, we talked about them in uh, one of our last episodes of the podcast, uh, the Power Metal one. Um, yeah, his stuff was Eternal like, Rights. Yeah, yeah, he was. He had a really kind of weird, like the, if you think of like where no life dwells, yeah, and grave into the grave, they're really weird landscapey type things that nobody else was really it was doing at like that time. Really detailed, yeah, in a way, yeah, like you just especially like where no life dwells, you're like what the fuck, and then there's this tiny little thing of like a silhouette of a guy, 
Yeah. Or something. But that, like, grave into the grave is weird. What the fuck is that? I know. It's like some weird castle on top of a pillar in the middle of the something. Like, I'm trying to recreate part of that for one of those decibel, you know, death metal death issues metal, that yeah. I did. I was like, this is just a fucking weird ass cover, but I loved it, especially the um, "You'll Never See." Yeah, where like it's the the guy in the grave a little bit, but then you see all the weird roots and all this weird psychedelic shit underneath it. And do you have a favorite of Axel Herman's? Like one that like speaks to you as a kind of a cover artist? I mean, probably uh, "Last One on Earth," the the Sphinx cover. That's a pretty. Awesome. I really like that. Just that weird like mummy priest thing. Yeah. that's on there. It's pretty iconic. Yeah, I think that that one stands out to me. The rack is really good too. Yeah. Um, Wolfheart holds a special place because that was so early. That was like one of the first things like I bought. If that makes sense, like yeah, it was like one of the first things like that was like new. I bought that the same day I bought Slaughter of the Soul. Okay. Um, you know, just walked into a record store and just like bought those two. You know, just kind of on a whim. And uh, was really happy with both purchases, obviously. But yeah, that one kind of stands out to me. But I think the Asphyx stuff and maybe... I do like his, the Samael... Uh, Blood Ritual. Blood Ritual is a yeah. cool carpet too. Yeah, which uh, we'll probably play something from them a little yeah. bit later. So um, yeah, again, kind of doing a lot of that sort of German, Northern Europe kind of, kind of artwork stuff. And then speaking of Germany, we got Andreas Marshall. Oh, one one oh, other quick one sorry. I want to mention is the, uh, I would say probably my favorite thing he's ever done is the, uh, make sure it is him, I'm almost positive, but, that? of course, uh, it's the Asphyx Crusher Cenotaph EP. Oh. It's that, the twisted, like, mummy thing on the cross. Yep, that is really, I that really is really cool. One. I forgot he did those, too. <laughs> Even, like, Archaic Course is pretty interesting, you know? Yeah. Just a kind of weird aesthetic, and he's done, like, newer stuff, like Runes of Everas, um, the, the Blood Record. Grand Supreme Blood Court, which is like kind of a weird side project that's super group fix kind of yeah. dudes. So is it like Hail Bullets guys too? Or just It was um fuck I forget. Is it Gorefest guys? No, because that's No, it's uh here I got it right here. It's uh Vendrunen. And then it's a dude from the drummer for the Shining. Okay. And then guitar player from God Dethroned. And one of the other uh Sphix guitar players. Huh. So it's like, yeah, like a Dutch kind of... Is the Shinies not Dutch, are they? They're Swedish. They're Swedish, that's what I thought, yeah. yeah. So mostly Dutch. But... The Bloodbath Breeding Death cover is pretty good, too. That oh, he did. did that one? Yeah. Oh, I didn't write that down. My bad. Yeah, really, he's got a, a pretty diverse like look to his work, too, which I really appreciate it. I think, uh, you know, as we move into Andreas Marshall, I think there's... Andreas Marshall has... Uh, I don't know. How would you define his style? I mean, it's very... It's classic pulp novel kind of cover. Um, it's got I, a he's, lot of comic book kind of stuff to it. I'd put well. him and Michael Whelan in the same type of kind of category. Okay. I think very similar, like classically trained um, commercial artists, okay. for lack of a better term. Does a lot of cool stuff, I think, the same way Ripka does with uh, color. Yeah. You know, like, I think of, like, those Blind Guardian, like, album covers and even, like, the that trio of In Flames covers he does, like, from Jeff's Race through Colony. Like, Horacle has that green, Colony's got that, like, maroon. Mm-hmm. You know, like, he, even though, you know, Blind Guardian, like, Imaginations has, like, such a popping color and Nightfall and Somewhere in Time. And, you know, they're yeah. all, you know, Covenant. Like, you think of the color 
on that Covenant record, regardless of what you think of that record. It's mm-hmm. like, it really pops a little bit. Hammerfall, the same. You know, the um, one thing about his work that annoys me, <laughs> that, I know, that I'm just starting to notice, is that almost everything, or in a lot of things, is the weird glows on stuff. Yeah. Like, it's not digital, but it looks like a weird digital glow. Yep. Like, even the... Um, I think immolation it worked really cover. well in the 90s. Yeah, like the like Immolation, Dawn of Possession cover has that fucking weird glow. Sure, and here in the after. And it's yeah. Like, like Godless Savage Even Garden like from D-Moon. Fucking Glory it. the Brave. Oh, yeah. I remember. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, that's where I, like, maybe I was kind of talking about, like, from a comic book perspective. Like, there's, yeah. like, a, like, it's a, I don't want to use the word juvenile, but there's, like, a little bit, like, he, you know, like Michael Whalen is like so polished in a sense, and like there's something a little bit more, act like, childish about what some of the stuff Andreas Marshall's doing. It's like it's like one notch down. I, I can't put my finger on it, but yeah, it's it's a weird. To, yeah, to try to qualify, it's kind of kind of difficult. I mean, you know, like he's doing. I like his stuff though. Yeah, it's great. I love. He know, just like, has like a lot of artists. You, you look if you start looking at their stuff, you're like, oh. They do that a lot because they they like it. Yeah. yeah, yeah. No. Um, let's see. Gravedigger Records, Coma Souls, creator, and uh, some of the later stuff in the '90s and even the 2000s. I think he does. Yeah, he did quite a few for. Um, but he started with like Coma Souls and kind of like ran forward. Uh, Violent Revolution. Yeah. He did. He did like a couple live things for them. Some of the Running Wild like EPs and singles. Uh, Gravedigger. Um, Agent Orange and some of the Sodoms from that kind of time period. Long time obituary. He did the the end complete Frozen in Time Executioner's Return Left to Die Darkest Day yeah. Inked in Blood. Uh, Pretty and the much everything yeah. from End Complete, I would say. Yeah, except for World Demise. That's the only thing he. Kind yeah, of that was just a bad cover uh, yeah. photograph. Yeah, uh, a record I recently kind of got into from a, a Swiss band called Messiah uh, Choir Horrors. He did that cover. Um, a record you and Chris always refer to is uh, Mordred, Fool's Game. That's a terrible, terrible cover. <laughs> it's the, That's the one that has like the chessboard and stuff on it. Okay. Yeah, it's, it's chess. I like remember the, that the mask. And it's uh, just like, it looks like if you were a high school student and you first learned about surrealism, that's what you would come up with. Tell people <laughs> who don't know about Mordred, about what makes Mordred pretty fascinating. <laughs> oh, they're like a, aren't they like the first funk metal band? Yeah, funk rap metal Ugh. kind of like weird thing we liked them when they first came out though yeah i'm sure there's some but also you know like that's around the time you know faith no more was coming out this is night it was 89 that's real thing came out in 89 yeah faith no more. so it's like there was something in the in the water back then but yeah, red hot chili peppers dumb. were about to like hit their they did a their, rick their james peak. cover of super freak oh was it thrash thrash funk yeah basically you guys have played Mordred for me. I just don't remember. It's it. a lot of slap bass okay. and stuff to it too. I was like, I can't believe I ever listened to it, but you know, that's so, all right. See, so it is dark moments with Mordred and a record that like Grand Coon and or I, Mind Funk or something. Oh yeah, I remember Mind Funk. <laughs> yeah, I think Coon had Mind Funk. Speaking of bad records, Coon uh-huh. bought uh, another bad record that Coon bought that I still kind of like love out of like a nostalgic shittiness is Spud Monsters. Stop the madness. Which I believe you guys probably sold back those promo tapes that Coon ended up buying. Most of the promo tapes that were at the record store, yeah, we I sold. Think we bought almost like all of that shit from you guys. We were amazed that were. we could sell that, or tr- basically we traded in for other stuff. Sure, yeah, it's like well. somebody actually wants, like even the ones that because when you get free shit that says 
property of Capitol Records, you're like, oh my god, are they going to come and like ask for it? Like, no. Yeah. <laughs> well, we would kind of like see that stuff, and we would like if it had like the right record label, yeah. we would just like take a chance on it used. Like, yeah. Like, cassette tapes like a buck ninety nine used. Like fuck it. Yeah. Like, yeah. Who cares? Let's try it. You know. And Spud Monsters was. It was something. It you. was something. Let, let me tell you. So yeah, uh, you know, I think for me, there's something iconic. It's got to either be just from a nostalgia standpoint. I love the Imaginations cover. Um, he did a lot with them. Jester Race, I love too. That's a cool cover. Um, let me look at that one again. If memory serves, it's kind of a cool color cover but it might not hold up that well no it is it's good it's got because it's got like he's always great at doing like foreboding cloudy weird skies that are always have like an orangish yellow sure kind of hue to them but he also always contrasts it really well with like you know the supposed like the the sky is the thing that your eyes go to first which is weird but then we get to see this weird it's got the jester mask thing that eventually kind of becomes their you know yeah they're like eddie guy with all this other random shit on it that just kind of works. Yeah, I think those are two that kind of stand out to me, you know. Um, like, I loved the Nightfall cover when it came out because I was so... We were so geeking on, like, reading the Silmarillion and we were just, like, in full, like, that mode. I don't yeah. know. It doesn't really do anything it, for me anymore. I was going to say, I don't think... I think it does something only if you care about, like, the stories or the characters. You know what I yeah. mean? Like, it's, it's specific to that. Whereas, like, Imagination just is, like, you stare at that whatever the sword and kind of whatever yeah it's got like a weird like is. wings and all kinds of other bullshit around it but it reminded me more of obituary and um what the fuck else did he do that we we're just talking about uh not spud monsters immolation Might have been. i don't know probably obituary yeah it just made me feel more like it felt more like michael whalen covers Okay. That I liked. I can see that. Because <laughs> they have some similar, especially their metal stuff had similar like color palettes. Yeah. When they went to, to that. but. And then our last guy that we want to talk about in this set real quick is, uh, we already mentioned him, Dan Seagrave. Mr. Mr. Seagrave. Yeah, and you've met him. So yeah, we, we hung cool. out a whole weekend together at Maryland Death Fest several years ago. I've got a couple, the like an ever-flowing stream, and I've got a couple other ones that are in the drawer. Um, and then clandestine that he peace signed Prince of. That's pretty awesome. Of there, but yeah, he's. If you say death metal art, that's kind of Seagraves the guy. I think, you know, it was uh, it was. I had an interesting conversation with the guy too because no, I don't think people ask him a lot of questions about his shit, like about technique and stuff, and but also just about. I was like, you know, you barely ever have people in your stuff. It like you're. Most of your stuff to me looks like it's just it's like long dead civilizations that are now being like re like we're seeing them yeah you know almost like an archaeological type thing like long dead civilizations he's like oh like it wasn't even something he thought about yeah it was just like what what came out it wasn't like a, a sure. intentional Did he thing have any insight into that no he he thought it was like kind of a interesting. Yeah. point that i that i made out of it that's like cool. oh yeah that's kind of like because like that that's what's always like i've always liked his stuff but also there's like a weird organicness to even like his like you know uh any of the like architecture and stuff always had like a weird especially 
if you see the clandestine cover and look at it close and then like the crawl ep is just a part blown up you can see stuff even and that was painted almost actual size which is kind of crazy they're not that much bigger than that really? he said it was about 13 by 13 wow so that's like microscopic little brushes going detail yeah detail yeah. that and it's all done with um with acrylics and gouache which gouache is a kind of paint that you can if you touch your hand to it it'll rub away oh yeah so it's like stuff that you can't so you it's so fucking delicate so deli- wow. yeah why do you choose to use a paint like that it, the... just the the kind of like effects you can get out of it you can okay. get stuff that looks almost like like uh alex ross the comic painter yeah yeah he does he all does gouache like too okay you can it's it's you can get opacity like you get the effects of watercolor but you can also have opacity to it or um not opacity you so you can have um you can lay down stuff over the top it doesn't all blend oh i got kind of together yeah so you could do like highlights and things and you can do like the weird like like the water stuff that he's always got in everything yeah which is just you know like a like freudian unknown you know imagery kind of stuff sure. but yeah so i think when you you kind of start to roll out some of the like the the classic kind of death metal records of all time we're talking dan seagrave you know altars of madness um entomb clandestine dismember like an overflowing stream um altars was not even that was something that was already painted oh so you just they looked at a couple things like yeah that looks cool let's just grab that one yeah um, but left hand path was commissioned path. clandestine yep. was commissioned um but you know he did other dismember records um he did god never was and uh where iron crosses where grow crosses, yep edge of sanity spectral sorrows the first two gore guts records mm-hmm. uh carnage dark recollections seance for never laid to rest yep penetralia from hypocrisy um malevolent creation their first couple uh the... i dig that penetralia cover more and more it's cool it's just weird it's, like hellraiser by uh, shit. hypocrisy yeah um the first monstrosity um yeah nocturnus he did a couple uh the key was that that was a monstrosity cover where it's like a, it's like the ocean this weird swirl of shit i, yeah. I don't remember which monstrosity is record that, that is Doom, probably it might be yeah i always I thought that was a, a cool look yep. it was weird it was just i don't know it was a weirdo cover but well testimony of agents uh yeah spears you know from pestilence uh seance did you both those seance those first two he just did forever just salt rub dies with somebody at something else um suffocation i mean I think effigy we were talking about how awesome effigy is that, that's gotta be i would love to make like a 3d statue of that weird thing with the big tongue yeah. that that uh what do you call it? that mural that i did at the taco place in royal oak i put the effigy oh in there that's kicked ass. <laughs> but you even did like greeting the spawn and, and some of those early yeah suffocations beyond yeah um those memoriams those recent yep, he did all three records. of those uh, Gateway to Annihilation from Morbid. Mm-hmm. Uh, the first Vader, right? Ultimate yeah, Ultimate Incantation. Yep. Uh, more recent times, you know, Skeletal Remains. Mm-hmm. Um, and he kind of got his start, you were telling me, with Lawnmower Death. That was the very first Eric thing yeah. that he did. And then I, I believe Dig was just looking for more art. He's like, this is cool. What else you got? And then, like, Nocturnus yeah. the Key, you know, Altars, like, shit, half of the early Eric stuff, stuff is all Seagrave. And then Roadrunner started, yeah. Yeah, Transcendent Rubicon. Yeah. I don't know. I think if I had to pick a favorite, um, probably Clandestine or Effigy from Suffocation. Those are probably my two favorite. I mean, Alters is fucking sweet to just kind of stare at. But to me, like, there's something, like, mystical about Clandestine. Like, I can just, like, stare at that. Yeah. 
it, it's like something out of like uh it's like a m- more dystopian version of like Dagobah from like Star Wars. You know, it's like it's hard to even know what to make of it. Yeah. It's like it's almost like this cauldron of like the the you know the, the birth of like, mankind birth of, yeah, or whatever. Exactly. It's weird to and then he went back and for the that clandestine live record re-envisioned it yeah. like later, which is kind of a cool thing. And actually a German dude commissioned him to redo like like, like an ever flowing stream thirty years later. No shit. Like what the evolution of this story was. That's pretty sweet. That is awesome. I don't know if I've ever seen he, album art can, like that. Can, what's what's he charged to do commission? Oh god, I couldn't even imagine. Ridiculous, I'm sure. Yeah. Normally he doesn't sell any of his originals, so No shit. Yeah. Hmm. Just licenses the the art. How do you feel about that as like an artist? That if you can do that, that's great. I personally, I couldn't, I can't afford it, and I don't, I don't care. I can always make something else. Is yeah. how I feel about it. Yeah. Um, it's different when you've got a huge body of work like his. If he wants to do like a huge show, he's got it. Yeah. He can always true. just you know kind of, and if he ever gets you know hard up, you could sell stuff. It's like an insurance policy, really. Sure. Yeah, yeah. That's badass. Because if I didn't have to, I probably would. I've just never had that. I've have never had like a preciousness about my stuff. Is he, do you think he's your favorite of like the metal when you think of like your vision of metal cover art and stuff like that? Is he like the go-to person or do you, does it just sort of depend on a mood? He's definitely up there. It's probably more of, uh, it's just like, you know, earlier episode that we did today um, about Tribulation, like those bands that you kind of grow with, I feel like I've kind of, as long as I've been in a death metal, he's been there too. Yeah. And I've got to see like different stuff that he's done. I've got to meet him personally and, you know, have that type of, you know. Sure. That makes sense. Thing too. So it's like, that's for, for death metal. I think he's the guy. Yeah. Well, and his body work is pretty intimate too. That like that. It's incredibly prolific. The, the primordial, you know, all, you know, yeah. what we we wouldn't have this podcast without like Dan Seagrave covers. You know what I mean? That's, like, that's... that's part of the allure of early death metal is because yeah. of his album covers. I, I yeah. firmly believe that. Yeah. Him and, you know, Marshall and a couple of those earlier, you know, guys with Sepultura, like that stuff is what really kind of sparked our imagination. Absolutely. Absolutely. For sure. So, so we're going to highlight a couple of them. Uh, one, we want to kind of highlight Seagrave with uh, Carnage from Dark Recollections. We haven't played Carnage. So we kind of tried to pick some bands that we maybe haven't played on other episodes. And that covers kind of unlike a lot of his other shit it almost looks like the fucking guts of a snake from yeah. the inside or something it's with the teeth everywhere and that was but... one i had i think probably your guys's copy that you guys sold on cassette tape that i yeah once we upgraded the yeah, cds the CD, i got your <laughs> and i would just drive around listening to this is the the song infestation of evil and it's got that sick breakdown kind of in the middle with the, the drum kind of bass drop kind of thing yeah uh michael mott basically and dismember yeah, what most of these is. songs were retooled into Dismember yeah. songs. Uh, so Infestation of Evil, and then we've got a uh, Axel Herman uh, highlight. As mentioned before, we got Blood Ritual from uh, 92 Samael with After after the Sepulchre. Um, any thoughts on Samael? We haven't, we haven't done a Samael episode yet. No, they're, I mean, another one of those uh, Swiss bands mm-hmm. that Corner, Celtic Frost, these guys... All of them have a weird simplicity to their riffing. For sure. That I don't understand culturally where that comes from. Yeah. But it works incredibly well. Yeah. Like, the, this this song is so fucking simple. It's just 
Yeah, it's like the base elements <laughs> of like death metal. Like yeah, it's know. all it's power chords. There's no solos. It's yeah. slow. Like the, I think it was just everything together works. Like the his vocal line is what kind of carries the song. Sure. Yeah. It's like a meditation on like a riff. Almost, yeah. Or something like that. So. Yeah, and they so, all use, you know, palm muting and stuff too. So. And I think they redid this song on the Rebellion EP. That's they did. That's the first time I kind of heard this, yeah. this version. Then I got, went back to Blood Ritual and stuff like that. So, yeah. So enjoy uh, Carnage, Infestation of Evil, and Samael after the Sepulter. <laughs>
right, that was Samael after the Sepulcher and Carnage Infestation of Evil. Uh, so as we kind of wrap up here, we've got a couple other artists that we sort of want to highlight. Um, we'll start with one who, fairly prolific as well. You could kind of throw him into like the... He's probably next to Seagrave. Yeah, I was going to say, you know, Chris and Wallen. Um, and he's, is he the only guy we've talked about who kind of also played music? Away. Oh yeah, duh. Away. I forgot that we kind of mentioned him. Um, but yeah, so. But yeah, Wallen was in Diabolique and he was in uh, Great Deceiver. Gr- grotesque. Grotesque. With uh, Tampa. And, uh, Liars and Liars and Wait. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. So. Fairly prolific guitar player, singer. How would you describe his art style? Because he's he's very monotone as far as like he usually uses kind of monochromatic, right? Yeah, one kind of one tone and then kind of dances around it a little bit. But there's usually not a whole lot of contrast. Like his uh, like his dissection covers. Yeah, like the first, like Somberland's pretty much all blues. It's that blue, and yeah. then you know the you think the of, like, white sacrilege. Those sacrilege, yeah. those are like iconically like monochromatic. Yeah, you know, blaze a blaze my sorrow. Yeah, like silver. You know the yeah. whole thing. Even like amorphous elegy, it, you know that that knot thing is all sure. very similar. That's it's a f. You're you're usually your what you do wrong is considered your style, or it's a joke in in art. Usually, is what what you're doing wrong is your style that people can kind of pick it's you like off. Like Amish, like you're defined by your mistakes. Right? <laughs> yeah, yeah. So I don't know if that's like he doesn't know how to use color right because that's why I typically use desaturated colors because I don't have a great eye for for color like somebody like like andreas marshall or like yeah uh, like ed ripka especially is really good with color theory um so i don't know if that if that's something he just is really drawn to or if it's just kind of like a safe area sure. you think like in the nightside eclipse is the same kind of way like everything's very monochromatic yeah yeah i mean uh, i think of tiamat too those like yeah. clouds is like kind of this purplish Mm-hmm. kind of color and then obviously wild honey has got the oranges and yellows some and of like stuff. the most iconic i think you know we're talking about arise with like brown you know like yeah it was something about wild honey where you're like whoa you know like yeah it was it just really like a, separated itself from a sunflower and some other crap you know yeah. to it so even that merciless unbound is, mm-hmm. is pretty monochromatic those dark funerals are all like blues and blacks and, and yeah things like that yeah. secret of the black arts the yeah yeah um cemetery um pretty monochromatic i would say you know, it's kind of this one, this is like we're looking at the Evil Shade of Grey album right now. That this might be one of his earlier paintings because it doesn't adhere to a lot of the same I was rules. Say that it almost seems more Seagravey or something like that. Yeah, you know, it looks like in that definitely more amateurish. Yeah, more Axel Herman maybe I would say or something. It's just it, a weird. It looks like he he hasn't really found his what he his identity yet. Yeah, but even like the whatever that like brownish color for at the gate saw the soul. That's like got a. I think it was supposed to be rust, but it turned more brown. More brown, I think. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Um, but his stuff also has a, a really like flatness to it. There's not a much much three dimensionality to his stuff, except for massive killing capacity. Oh yeah. Dismember is a really. That's him. It's him. It's uncharacteristically that, I was him. Say that does not remind me of his style. No, not at all. all. You know, when I think of his style, I think of like Crystal Age or you know. Yeah, everything. Like it seems or very like that. very kind of flat and. Yep. Even the necrophobic stuff that he's done. Yeah. So while Mark's looking that up, some other things that he's done, uh Therion, um, the Beyond Sanctorium. Is that what that is? Or Sanctorum? I'm not Sanctorum, yeah. I don't, I don't have it right in front of me. the first few witcheries, uh, those are all like yeah. blue aesthetic. 
you know, Utumno, um, which is a pretty that EP, yeah, kind of underrated sort of record. Um, even some of the Black Dolly murders, I, I'd forgotten that he had done some of that kind of stuff. Nifelheim, uh, he's done the first two, I think. Yep, uh, some Benedictions. I think he only did one. Yeah, he did that. Like that seems unlike. Yeah, the depth in it seems unlike his. Yeah, stuff. that's and to have that many killing capacities. What we're looking at right now, contrasting colors and stuff too, is kind of unlike his stuff. He did uh, that Tales of Divinity hypocrisy record. Um, Evocation. Extreme Divinity is, is that, that what I said? Okay. I think so. I'm just going by memory. <laughs> uh, the Diab- Diaboliques, obviously, that he was in, uh, Liars in Wait, that sort of stuff. Crown of Thorns, the pre-Crown uh, mm-hmm. band. Um, I think that's it. Some Benediction. I already mentioned them. Grotesque. Yeah, but it's a, you know, if you're talking like European metal, especially like he did a handful. He did Bathory, uh, Blood on Ice. Oh yeah, that's right. He did uh, Nordland one and two oh, for Bathory as yeah. well. Okay. Um, I remember asking him. I was I tried to get talk to him about his those Bathory covers, and he wasn't interested in talking about them. So you met this guy? No, just on just on the internet. Oh, just got talked it. to got the it. old Necro Lord, but he wasn't interested in talking about it. So. Hmm. Do you I think he just said no? Thank you. Do you uh, are you a fan of his? I like his stuff, but I don't. I don't see his, his stuff progressing that much. Yeah. Um, he seems to kind of stick to it, and I, I get it, it's his livelihood, but it's it seems kind of safe. Yeah. After a while, I mean, Seagrave similarly, but if you look at some of Seagrave's um, personal work, he stretches out a little bit more outside of this kind of sure. conf- like people want that certain thing from him. But in all, and Seagrave also does. I see in Wallen might as well. I just don't see it. But he does other personal work that's completely different. Yeah. So I kind of get it. But I'd like to see something. I don't know where else to go with his stuff. It's really meticulous and big, and flat. And I I dig some of it, but some of it I'm just kind of like, eh. Do you have a? I I can kind of think. I think what my favorite is. But do you have a favorite piece of his? It might be the massive feeling capacity cover. Really? Yeah. Okay. I'm a wild honey guy. Okay. Um, Wild Honey was like such a game changer. I don't want to yeah. go into it, but like that record kind of changed my whole perception on what like what metal could be. And the cover had a lot to do with it. Like I could show that cover to like girls and be like, "This is death metal." And they're like, "What the fuck?" You know what I mean? Yeah. Like It just it sort of broke down a lot of stereotypes. It defied the conventions, things like that. Yeah, for sure. And it's still classy. It's it's monochromatic, but there, there's a little bit more depth to it. Kind of like that massive killing capacity, where like yeah, it seems a little bit more. There's like a little more heart and soul into it. It doesn't seem so like cookie cutter. Yeah, because he kind of has a. I do like his style. the first um, Secret of the Black Arts album cover a lot. Oh, where yeah. you got those monks carrying like a mm-hmm. casket around a mortuary or whatever the fuck that one was. Yeah. I do dig that and the um oh uh, what the fuck the necrophobic record the mark of the necrogram that new one is yeah. him and I, I dig that one but that's yeah that's like seeing him stretch a little bit too sure. I think well even like nightside like has yeah nightside's a weird cover nightside when you look like, at it yeah nightside and like slaughter for like being like two iconic records they're like weird covers yeah you know what I mean yeah like slaughter the soul like I don't know. It's got Jesus and if you gone. Put like a gun. If you put like a, I don't know if like the cover, if it had been somebody like a Seagrave, if that like amps at the at the gates more or, do you know what I mean? I don't think so. I think that that album would have done huge no matter what no the matter cover what, looked like. Yeah. And I think at that point that was almost too safe of a cover. I think they probably should have gone with more of a punky looking thing. 
But they're if you look at all their covers, they're all fucking weird. That's they don't have a consistent yeah, Terminal like Spirit vibe. Is a weird fucking cover. I don't even... That that was done by a, a ad agency. Yeah, I was gonna say that looks like so. Yeah. <laughs> but like, yeah, with, like with Fear I Kiss the Burning Darkness is a weird, like none of their covers really. Gardens of Grief is about the only one that like has like, and it's just like a mainly a photograph of that church or, or whatever. Or the... It's kind of the most literal. Yeah, I think. Yeah. Yeah, it's interesting. I mean, maybe some of the newer stuff. I I, I gotta think about like the newer at the gates covers. I think I like the at war with reality cover better than drink for the night itself. Okay. It just it just seems weird and like archaic. What the what the fuck was he reading when he was doing the? Uh, I don't know. Magic realism shit. Oh really? Or something like he was reading books about that. The the lyrics are based on a lot. I think largely on that like, stuff. Uh, Crowley? Some Spanish. Oh, the, guy. I know what you're talking about. He was like a follower of uh, Crowley a little bit. Yeah, just like yeah. weird. Like I, I always dig Tampa stuff because of the, <laughs> the weird places Some he goes. Stuff, yeah. yeah. Then you got uh, a couple. Like we get more into like almost. Um, I don't know. I don't, I don't know if I would group any of these guys together, but they definitely have their own distinct style. Whereas like Wallen and, and some of those other guys are doing like metal kind of covers. I think of like Paul Romano and some of the kind of stuff that he's doing is. Well, stuff he did for Mastodon, especially he did, uh, you know, Trivium. He did a little bit later on. You can, his stuff is really instantly recognizable. Red Cord, Hate Eternal. Yeah. Matt Withered. Yeah. Um, I actually got to see, I've, I've met him a couple times now and got to go to his, the first studio he had in um in philly mm-hmm. which was like uh he bought it in the 90s for next to nothing it was a four-story fucking part of a building yeah where you you know walk in this little uh vestibule and it looks like a little you know house and then you go up three-story like he had a huge workspace up there and got to see like the original paintings and sure see like how he worked and he works pretty large yeah, I was gonna say like uh, what I felt like with those the Mastodon paintings about as big as my record rack. Yeah, those 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 felt like things like you could like buy as like a painting. Oh yeah, you know what I mean. There was like something about those like Mastodon covers that like. Well, the if you look at those things closer to the covers, the album covers don't do them any justice at all. Yeah, like the the rendering and all the extra little filigree crap that's everywhere is kind of kind of amazing. Yeah, he's a. Uh... Yeah, he's a super guy nice like, guy too. Seems... He's also a, uh, does a lot of like art direction, which if you look up on Metal Archives, you can see all the some of the stuff that he was kind of like guiding. Yeah, because yeah, like he does that art direction right now. I think for a day job, but deceased uh, behind the Moore's Veil, Nazem, Life Once Lost, Beyond the Sixth Seal. That's kind of a weird. Yeah, that was uh, God, what was that label that put that stuff out? I kind of remember a German. Uh... Label like they're kind of life force. Yeah, it's life force. I just remember that because of the movie, like the Toby Hooper movie. Oh yeah, <laughs> there, you, there you go. The most, the most boobs for your dollar. Yeah, I think, uh, I think that second Mastodon full length, um, you know, the Moby Dick kind of stuff is yeah. just, I don't know. Like I could stare at that cover forever. Yeah, it's just like awesome. Well, the know, that might be my favorite thing that Romano. It's done. the, the horse is the remission one, right? Yeah, the horse thing's pretty. The seeing the the full thing is, it's pretty incredible painting when you look at it. And I think that that was commissioned. It was like one of Brandaler's dreams or something. That thing was based Got on. Got it. Does he sell that stuff for Mono then? The original uh, art. And stuff? I don't know if he does or not. I know they do art prints. I remember like seeing ads where you could like buy like full size paintings and stuff of those. Yeah, they, like really nice. Uh, 
this thing the same printing method that the Seagrave stuff is uh, Geekly or something prints they're like okay. they're supposed to be like incredibly accurate prints as far as the colors and everything's concerned sure yeah so Romano's kind of a, a, a newer guy he's kind of a guy that more emerged in the 2000s I feel like um, yeah one other guy um, that we should probably get into before we talk about these last two who are kind of newer and, and more unique is Travis Smith um, yeah and he's a guy I, you know like I think in the way that probably like Seagrave, Seagrave had an effect on like maybe you and Chris and your generation I feel like Travis Smith maybe had that impact on like my generation just being like a few years behind you because of the bands that he sort of chose. Cause like for you guys growing up, you guys kind of like stumbled right into that early century media earache, you know, that kind mm-hmm. of thing. Whereas like bands like Catatonia, you know, like last fair deal gone down and tonight's decision and Opeth still life and, mm-hmm. you know, um, amorphous and anathema, like fine data exit and natural, you know, like, that was stuff that was like sound of perseverance death you know mm-hmm. that was like so, that was like my first death record that and symbolic you know yeah um really just you know like that style that he had and and how it was weird because i think it was a personal thing because i saw how his style really impacted you at the time that we were doing like eclipse yeah do you know what i mean on some level yeah because like this stuff uh, it mm-hmm. hit when i was taking like um uh, alternative alternative uh, photography method classes in college yeah and seeing like the stuff he was doing it was a mix of digital he took his own photographs from us probably I believe but also he was working in his own textures and paintings and it was a way to use photoshop in like the best possible way where you're just using that as a tool to like blend elements that you did yourself together he wasn't relying on filters or sure. anything like that a lot of traditional photography as well which i feel like he was the one that mastered whatever was the weirdness of the, like the late 90s early 2000s where it was like the rise of like photoshop and digital yeah like he was like the one guy that like didn't go off the rails completely that emerged in it was that era. it was the ta- most, most tastefully done the only there's very like looking back at his, his stuff like the there's not the only stuff that ever stands out to me is some of the text, but I don't even know if that's him doing Got it. the design in it. Like the going back, I really don't like that Catatonia logo. Oh, okay. the second one that's all kind of craggly and looks yeah. like it was done in Illustrator or something. I know what you're talking about. Like looking back, that was like, Ugh. but it's fine. But but looking like the Last Fear Deal cover and stuff, I was like, this is like the cover and even like the other photos in it. You know what I mean? Like that and like whole the layout, of like that. the you know the tear gas EP, like all yeah. that stuff told. It, it told really it seemed to fit the music so well telling these incredibly bleak yeah stories like some like the the cover of the reading that um what was it the peaceful book yeah i guess bless fair deal didn't do very well when it first when it came out for peaceful really no he's like it's got a cover of a bathroom on it yeah that's... i was like i guess if you really that kind of like opened my eyes a little bit to that i was like god that was such a big deal for us i remember downloading the the tear gas song God, online over and over and over and over. It was like a 30 second clip forever. Like and then our whole friend group just blew up. That was the yeah. only record besides rapture futile that when you looked on the list in eclipse of like what everybody was listening to, that was yeah. the only record that was on like six lists at once. It's like one of yeah. them is like that blood incantation when that like new record, like yeah. everybody just fucking loved it. You know? Yeah. So yeah, it's weird. Cause I love the like start. I think that was, Here's what it was, I think, too. I was, like, getting into film classes at the time. You were taking these photography classes. Like, 
there was like an aesthetic. The symbology of the stuff was, was making yeah, sense it was too. Like, it was like a Meisen scene, you know, like I could just like pause that frame of like a movie and like yeah. there's a story being I mean, told it there. almost had, going. I forget what year, what year did 7 come out? Was that 93, 94? No, seven's way later than that. Uh, 96? Is it that late? Yeah. Um, Fight Club's 99. The game is 98. And I believe 7, oh no, 7's 95. 95. Okay. I believe, yeah. But I think it was late 95. 95. Yeah, I remember seeing it. Because that whole... That's when that aesthetic started coming pretty heavy. Like, the whole opening title sequence. Yeah. With, like, scratchy stuff. And, like, it felt like a hand touched it. Like, I don't know how much that had effect. I mean, I think that had a pretty good effect on a lot of the design industry. To, sure. At least in my... Well, I think, you know, Fincher was coming seeing. out of, like, a really interesting place. Because he was coming out of, like music videos and stuff mm-hmm. like that television was, and yeah. commercials and so stuff. he had like a, a real fine eye but then i was just watching um uh tree of life um you know we, we were talking about like clandestine like the birth of like organic and like i think about this whole sequence in tree of life that's really fucking like abstract i don't mm-hmm. know if you've ever seen that movie no the terrence malick film mm. Bruce, i've heard about it but i've never seen uh it. brad pitt and it it's it's awesome, but it's like, do you remember in that Twin Peaks Showtime um, season three, Twin Peaks? I never saw the oh, you season didn't? three. Okay. No. So, anyways, there's a part in that where it's like you're in the midst of this like nuclear explosion that's like super organic and mm-hmm. all this kind of stuff. But anyways, clandestine kind of reminded me of like the birth of like human life and like they even go back to like the meteors and the dinosaurs in that movie. It's fucking wild to watch. Huh, that's cool. But Fincher's on there talking about how he was obsessed with Terrence Malick movies when he was, like, younger. Like, he went, like, he stumbled into, like, Badlands and Days of Heaven, and he just, like, watched them, like, over and over again to try and, like, understand. The one with the fucking Pierce Brosnan movie? No, Days of Heaven is, No, uh, Badlands. Badlands, no, that's Martin Sheen and Sissy Spacek. That's the first Terrence Malick oh, what movie. I, what's the one of... It's, so, it's something lands where it's like a blue cover and the logo's coming down and Pierce Brosnan has a beard and he's running on the front of it. Oh, fuck. Dante's Peak? No, no, no. No, no uh, this is from the 80s. No, I don't know. It's definitely not. <laughs> Badlands is like 73. Okay. That, that was like the first, yeah. That's the one where like Martin Sheen, it's based on like, uh, they're like like a Bonnie and Clyde type okay. crime couple. Yeah, because that... kidnaps her from her home and, and stuff that like did, that. That definitely didn't seem like any Yeah, no, no. Those are, <laughs> those are different <laughs> films. But, uh, so yeah, so I think Fincher had like such a very aesthetic kind of way in which you know you look at fight club and how like finely crafted like some of like the imagery and like fight yeah. club is a perfect metaphor for like the travis smith like art era like 99 you know oh, like, like the, the the journals in seven yeah those had an incredible effect on on like my design yeah. sense too yeah like this meticulously like cut apart neuroticism and stuff yeah. with like all this different textures and well and you even did stuff like that in eclipse yeah you know what i mean like i remember like give different textures and, and spatters and weird yeah. shit and put it in there but i think that movie had an incredible effect on it. i think a lot of well i think it things in the it was sort of culture. like the first like dark mainstream it sort of took it took like what ministry and nine inch nails were like doing in music and like yeah blew it up into like pop culture yeah. And it like kind of boiled into like hot topic and some of those places from there. In a weird way. It's weird, yeah. Cuz there's see some of that, you know. Cuz even go I I watched it I think last year and it's like it's just as good as like who cares about the twist, the acting and the atmosphere. It's just incredible yeah. in that movie. Yeah, it's great. Yep, I agree. So But yeah, I think there's I I've always kind of felt that in Smith stuff in a good way. Yeah, I could see that for sure. 
um, other things just kind of throw out Moon Sorrow, Nagufar Harvest. Uh, he did the Nevermore covers, November's Doom. Uh, a band I kind of dig, Novembre, uh, the Italian kind of Catatonia, um, Paradise Lost type band. All the Overkill covers from 99 on, Solitude Eternus, uh, like some of like the late 90s stuff. Um, Bloodbath, Resurrection, Resurrection Through Carnage. There you go, Control Denied, uh, which was kind of coupled with Death, Sound of Perseverance, Dark Fortress, uh, Seance, uh, Diabolical Masquerade, Death's Design, some of the mm-hmm. solo stuff from Anders, uh, Evocation, Dead Calm. Um, some of the Iced Earth stuff he did as well. Uh, I didn't write down which which records. My bad. Um, basically everything from Opeth from Still Life on. Um, some of the newer yeah. incantations. Oh no, that's that's another guy. Sorry, yep. it's right above Travis Smith there. Uh, but yeah, just like a a lot of the stuff that I was kind of listening to and like really like locked into at that time. You know, I, I just kind of think of like where my aesthetics were, like Anathema. Catatonia, Opeth, November, like that really, yeah, it really death, fit fit know, all like, that stuff you know. pretty pretty well. And like this death cover doesn't isn't really reflective of a lot of his other stuff. No, but there's some like interesting things when you like zoom in on it a little bit. Yeah, you know the close up of like the the person with like the eyes eyes and ears yeah. kind of thing. I'll grab that. Let's see if I. Yeah, because it looks mostly like a painting. But then it's got these weird teeth and shit on it. Yeah, I just think like there's like weird things like that were always going on in the back with like yeah. kids crawling up a mountain and stuff. And then there's that. Um, I'm opening up Mark's vinyl copy here. I think the records might fall out. So. Woo. I don't know where. Maybe it's not in. Huh. Well, it's in the inside of the CD sleeve, but there's like a close-up of like the person. Oh, that's just the doing stuff picture thing. Yeah. Hmm. Uh, well, I'll have to look. It might be on like the actual like vinyl or something like that. But, but there's some some definitely cool stuff kind of going on there. Um. Yeah. Travis Smith definitely a, a a huge influence on us. And then the last two guys that we're going to talk about real quick, uh, Eleron Contour. And then uh, I'll probably butcher this name, a Polish dude, uh, Marizus Lewandowski. Who's done, yeah, like most people, I came to know him from like the Bellwitch yeah. cover for, uh, what was it, Mirror? What the fuck was that yeah, album called? I know, The Mirror, I think it was, or something like that. It was Mirror something, but. Yeah. Uh, um, you had the False Records. Yeah. Uh, which they just put out a really good one this year. Uh, Mirror Ms. Reaper. Oh, Re- Mirror Reaper. Yeah. Yep. Mismore, uh, they're kind of another really kind of cool band that reminds me of False a little bit. They have a record called Karn. Um, Atlantean Codex, Abigail Williams. I mean, his is like all a kind of a painted style, really. It's, it's Polish surrealism, yeah. which is a weird thing that I didn't really know was a subgenre of stuff until I, I found this guy. Uh, I'm just going to spell his name because I don't even know how to fuck to pronounce it. Z D Z I S L A W Zlaslaw Bekskinski Zidistaw Zidistaw Bekskinski Bekskinski Yeah, but uh, yeah, he Late was seventies. Yeah, born 80s. born in uh, nineteen twenty nine. Um, but his stuff is just if if you look his stuff up, we'll put a link or something in this yeah. so you can see it. But he just did this weird dystopian surrealism 
shit, which is so would be so ripe for album covers. But yeah, he, Mark was just showing me these guys that are awesome. Yeah, and he unfortunately got fucking murdered in his house by a, an acquaintance. Yeah, just... and I think a lot of the stuff didn't really. I don't know how prolific he really was as a as like a selling his stuff, but his his work is just. I put him up there with with uh, with Geiger as far as his. Yeah, it's like surrealist it's some stuff. Some of the it's coolest great. stuff I've I've seen in a long time. And so. it's got a lot of the, you know, political stuff of you know, Poland being a communist country and kind of sure. come coming right at the tail end of that as well. But Yeah, there's a lot of morbidity there that you can kind of see uh, in that style. But his stuff reminded me a lot of um the other dude you were just Lewandowski. Lewandowski. Yeah, Lewandowski, yep, for sure. And then uh and then Contour our uh was it? Yeah. Contour. Contour, yeah. Yep. Um talking he's done a t- the most recent his stuff is really it doesn't necessarily you wouldn't think it's very painterly as far as you see his brush strokes yeah and a lot of his stuff um but he did like the the bloodbath the the arrow of satan is drawn the last one yeah jupiter from atheist yeah um, the bloodbath one is just it's a mother and and father sleeping in bed and a baby carriage in front and it's all like full of arrows yeah okay yeah. <laughs> it's fucking weird like but they're they're painted really kind of naturalistic like like studies but he does this like just kind of weird morbid shit he did that uh that testament yeah dark, dark roots. roots of the earth actually he, he goes back all the way to um format the kind of comeback testament record where they bought skolnick back from like oh shit he's that one too yeah. okay yeah, he's a um, he's another formation German of, uh, formation of damnation. Damnation, yep. Another German artist. He did the uh, some like iced earth stuff. He did that Satan uh, life sentence record. Yeah. Um, incantation, profound nexus, which is like the newer stuff that they've done. That's mm-hmm. incredible. Hate eternal, Psy records, Green Death, uh, the new Di- my dad ride record that's gonna be coming yep. out. So what is that called? The something of Orion. Uh, I didn't write it down. I just wrote that he he did that one. So you're something shores or the single's great. You should go listen to it. Yeah, it's fantastic. So, um, but yeah, so, you know, those are kind of a couple guys that are kind of newer that we want to spotlight. Um, you there's know, tons of stuff we're missing or forgetting or, yeah, I mean, there's, there's too much to, there's just, there's a lot. Yep. Yep. Vincent Locke was one that just like came to my brain as we were like recording and I was like, yeah. Oh yeah, I forgot about that guy. You know? So there's, there's just like a lot of, of those kind of guys that are sort of associated with it. But, um, yeah, we just thought this. We've had this request before, where people are like, "Hey, Mark's an artist. Talk about album art a little bit." Yeah, like, all right. That's There's easy that, enough for us. To... That Italian guy that was doing everything for a while too. I can't think of what the hell his name was. What kind of stuff did he do? He he did like all the, um, what the fuck he uh, Inquisition. He redid all their covers. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. I know what you're talking. Apollo something or. I'm not gonna be able to pull his name out. At but all. he did. He was like hot shit for about two years three years maybe he still does stuff but he was like super in demand that's mm. like one of those weird fads or something fad. it's yeah it's it's unfortunate that stuff happens that way well, but there's even like you know we didn't even talk about like guys like uh you know basely you know the stuff he's done with like baroness and cavalter talk is super yeah it's pretty interesting really yeah. you know like you got to give the guy credit for like having like a he's done like skeleton which yeah covers, I think, skeleton too. Witch, yep um you know there's the stuff like fucking um jacob from converge you know his like yeah. kind of aesthetic Band style stuff. that he's kind of done you know yeah going back to jane doe and, and some of that kind of stuff is is super super iconic i would say yeah you know yeah um i don't know that's left more... the center for extreme yeah it's more of a he's more of a designer than a than a, a quote-unquote artist yeah yeah 
not that there's that big of a definition, but as far as like create, he's he more appropriates stuff and tweaks it than makes it himself. I think. Sure. But, yeah. Like but he's got a great. Like that. Yeah, he's got a great eye for what he like. I never thought I'd like that moon sequence cover sure. for that Converge record, but that looks. <laughs> it's, it perfectly works. So on the spot as we leave, our patrons will want to know favorite. Do you have a favorite album cover of all time? Like one that if you had like to the quintessential like metal album cover, I, I'm trying to think myself right now because I put myself on the spot as we we sort of speak here. The quintessential death metal album cover, is maybe yeah, just metal, cover. death metal, whatever jumps out to you. You can go with. That's a yeah, that's a big one. It's tough. I know. I don't really have a favorite anything. If somebody asks me what's my favorite band, I can't answer that. I can I give you. But... I can give you like my top ten. Yeah. My top five. I don't have a favorite movie. I have movies I like a lot. Yeah. Um. I mean, I'd throw Leprosy pretty high in the mix. I do really like um, War Master. Both uh, were. Yeah. Is a good. It's a great. Is a good class. I actually I painted a mural on somebody's wall of that when I was in high school. That's pretty bad. <laughs> Andreas would be happy to hear that. He's he, he loves it. Um, yeah, I'm, I'm thinking myself. I I, 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 you know, I love the the Patchett stuff, but yeah, it, it it goes back and forth. Sure. Um, I like, there's some that like aren't even they're like photographs that just like evoke something like in me as well. Like I wouldn't really necessarily qualify them as like attached to a specific artist. Yeah. But like, like I mean, to, the first Black Sabbath cover. Yeah. Well, like that tells us, you know, tells a story well, like, about the entire like, record. Even like, uh, like just the dead bird on Brave Murder Day, like just yeah, just looking at that, like it's just again coming from like a film background that I come, you know, like yeah, there's like a story unfold, you know, I mean, there's like an aesthetic that that's kind of cool that yeah, I, I kind of dig, you know, even stuff like the you know, Morning Rise, just like the haunting kind of empty building, kind of like Black Sabbath. You know, yeah. like where it's just yeah. like the landscape and just unsettling. You know, that Black Sabbath has like a horror, hammer horror kind of like feel to it. You know, those like old castles and yeah, like the, the weird the sets with you know like uh, yeah, what's your nuts that's coming out of it from Black Sunday or something, but or Barbara Steel, Steel or something. Yeah, 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 yeah kind of interesting. Yeah, it's it's tough for me to kind of pinpoint that, but there's there's Cause there's, some there's that... so many different elements of that stuff that that I really dig because there's like kind of highly detailed and highly stylized and then there's like ones that are kind of more like um, i mean like the first sparse the first know? bathory cover yeah. or under the sign of the black mark is a fucking great that's a great cover cover how about like volume four you know what i mean like just like yeah. that kind of image of that dude you know like, i mean there's so there's yeah. such a wealth of of stuff to talk about for all this shit it's kind of crazy yeah so that's it's why almost we, impossible to. Yeah, I think that's why we kind of just decided to zone in on some of the artists because I think it'd be yeah. like so hard to like kind of iconicize you know album covers. But let us know, like as patrons, you know, shoot us, uh, throw something up on the the patron site uh, on the Facebook page, and you know, let us know some of like if we missed a cool artist, you know what I mean? Like I'm I'm, I'm sure I'm we sure did. We missed yeah, several. We, just, we were just trying to go off uh, top of our brain and stuff, but. Hopefully you dug it all. Um, you know, it was fun. I, it's it's good to tap into Mark's brain because it's like a untapped <laughs> thing that his his artistic kind of uh, perspectives on things I think is fun. You know, but yeah, we are gonna close shop with a, a band we haven't really ever been able to feature before, and, and Mark pointed out kind of an oddball cover for this particular artist, which is Kristen Wallen, 
and this is a uh, cemetery's evil shade of gray um what's your thoughts on these guys like as a you know what i like the most about it is how the the guitars are recorded yeah you can hear all the like they're instead of just picking they're rubbing back and forth on the string you can it's really like pronounced how wild bizarre it sounds but it was recorded uh scotsburg right yeah sunlight studio there you go there you go so all right so we're gonna we're gonna head out it was fun uh did this in the the wee hours of the morning so we got cemetery evil shade of grade gray not grave so uh hopefully patrons you enjoyed this once again it's a longer than we expected but it's always it's always fun to chat so thank you for your support and i'm mark boom